Hailing frequencies are open. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Clear Skies, our weekly Star Trek Adventures live play here with the stream punks. I am scratching my ankle. Let me just get to that. Oh, God. Oh, oh my God. Oh! Punky oh, finally oh. ate him. The game is ours now. I've had coffee tonight. Um, all right. So uh, before we jump into tonight's game, let's just go ahead and jump into some of the announcements. I don't know if y'all are aware, but there's a puppet show taking place right now on Pixel Circus. And I want Gina DeVivo to talk to us about it, please. So yeah, go watch Pixel Circus. There's VOD happening. We did a puppet show. There's two more episodes. An unlock got made, so I I'm gonna be making another puppet in the right this week <laughs> of an animal <laughs> companion. So yeah. And and here 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 I am. It has just stayed on I'm going I'm going to say this because I, I already <laughs> told her that we cannot say it enough. Gina DeVivo. You are a fucking genius. <laughs> Can confirm. What's up? Also, are there just two Gina DeVivos on on a camera at once? <laughs> <laughs> it has been really wonderful. People have been tagging. There are other puppet RPGs out there, which oh, yeah. I didn't know about. And people oh, yeah. have been tagging me in them. And now I get to have all of this puppet content on my timeline. And I'm really <laughs> happy about it. So, so, yeah. So, if you also want some more puppet timeline. Uh, on your timeline, you follow me because it's getting. I'm releasing all of it now. It's My coming name. out of the out of the storage, and it's. I love it. So go watch it. It's called Total Puppet Chaos. And what I will say on Pixel Circus. What day? What day and time? Uh, it's Fridays at six p.m. All right, cool. As one of the players too, uh, Gina surprised all of us with puppet versions of our characters on day one. We had them like wrapped in a in a bag that we couldn't open. So on stream, we opened them and discovered the magic. Uh, so you can go and check that out the, the moment that it happened. I was there when Xander opened his and it was very loud. <laughs> he was so happy. Or at least I think it was happiness. It might've been fear, but either way, there was a lot of noise coming from his room. They're very good. <laughs> Who else we got tonight that wants to make an announcement? Got stuff yeah. coming up. Yeah, what's up, Aki? We had the premiere of New Pantheon over on Saving Throws show at 4 p.m. On, uh, and uh, uh, my new character, Emancipation Brown, was uh, revealed. And it was a lot of fun. And we have a, a new cast of people. And uh, we're doing an anime RPG uh, based on the overarm system, and it is very fun. Our second episode comes out this upcoming Sunday at 4 p.m., and we're gonna have so much fun. I play an absolute space case, and it is so much fun to not know anything. It makes me want to go back and watch High School Host Club. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Auron, Auron, and it is terrible in some places, but amazing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I have a question. My thoughts. What's up? What is? It anime. is an anime that is freaking hilarious and fantastic. Auron, <laughs> Auron is actually a pretty good like first anime to watch from that specific genre. I would say, like of, of <laughs> anime. <laughs> That is also um, making fun of its own genre throughout. Oh, there very is much. A so. made RPG out there, by the way. Ah, for that, for that show. <laughs> Are you watching Rave's face melt right now? Because <laughs> it's happening on screen. You're watching. <laughs> I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All Where right. is this place? How do I get there? Any other announcements before we jump into tonight's story? Yes, Xander. 
Yes, uh, this Wednesday at 6 p.m. Pacific time, I'm going to be on the official Paizo Twitch channel beginning a uh, beginner box stream. We're going to be doing it over several weeks. Uh, you can see more information on my Twitter. Uh, but You're basically, doing that with Gabe, aren't you? Uh, we're doing it with Gabe and Katie and Michelle and Bradley, and it's going to be so much fun. We're what very, time? very excited. 6 p.m. Pacific on Ooh, Wednesday. Okay. All right. Great. Uh also on Wednesday, right here on Q Times. If you don't want to watch Xander, watch me uh, at 5.30. <laughs> Denver by night. If you think I'm cute as a cat, wait till you see me as a vampire. And uh, on Saturdays, Things in Space, the um, Starfinder RPG that I'm a part of on Dragons and Things Switch channel. It's a lot of fun. Watch me break things. And uh, I'll have a big announcement, maybe next year. And uh, if you don't feel like watching Bounty, you can come watch us play Dinosaurs. Because on Saturdays at noon, uh, we have Predation. We're actually coming up on our penultimate episode, y'all. We have got only two episodes of Predation left. So things are getting really serious in the town of Silver Creek, let me tell you. So definitely uh, don't miss it. If you haven't gotten a chance to catch up yet, now's a good time. Um, any other announcements? Yes, Ravity. Phoenix, don't come in. Here tomorrow night on Q Times at 5.30 PM PST. Um, Watch me be a phoenix. Watch Abria Iyengar be a phoenix. Watch Aliza Pearl be a phoenix. Watch Aaron Stanley be a phoenix. All led by Eddie Doty. It's a awesome game, and you should come check us out. Sweet. I think yeah. I think we're good. Unless we have any other announcements. Maybe neutral good. Neutral good. I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely. Gina told me that I'm that. I'm good aligned, and so I will take her word for it because Gina yes. Devivo, um, yeah. and when Gina says something, it's correct. Yeah. Um, so I'm doing a bunch of things throughout the week, but I want to take a moment to plug Power Play here Sundays at 5 p.m. Pacific on Q Times. We are playing a classic three-color superhero comic book RPG built on the icons system, but hacked down to make our new heroes a little more street level. And it is just ab absolute masterclass play from these players and beautiful rhythm and pacing from Rick Budd, the GM um, of Tempting Fate. And It's uh, your favorite superhero RPG you've ever played. You can say it. You can say it, Sam. Eric. It. It's okay. Don't, don't make me choose. <laughs> don't. Unfortunately, you don't have to choose because it, it airs all on its own right now. And wow, my character is not like Lacey. That's what I've got for you. That's They're actually the name like of the show. Power play. Wow, my character is not like Lacey. Starring Sam DeLev. Um I, I do feel the need to interject here and say that on Thursdays, Sam gets to do what I do on Thursdays and play two characters at once because we have both uh, our our final installment of Spy Game over here on Q Times at 6 p.m. as well as our episode of um, a Darkened Wish at 5 p.m. over on D&D, and I get to play not two characters, but three. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're, we're multi-classing it up over here and multi-charactering it up here on Thursdays. Uh, on Bye, channel. And yeah, it's just so many, so many, so many characters on Thursdays. And we're going to have a giveaway on Thursday again. We gave away one Spy Game core book PDF this past episode. There'll be another giveaway this coming episode for our final part of the two-parter. And let me just tell you all this. All the great luck they had in the first part, don't expect to see that in part two. 
Don't expect to see that in part two. All right. I think I think we were incredibly lucky. <laughs> expect to see some good action. <laughs> you know what? Anything I could walk away from. Hey, <laughs> but we're not doing that tonight. We're not doing a spy game. We're not doing a dinos. We're not even doing a puppets tonight. We're going to space and space is awesome and I'm excited about it, okay? Let's go ahead and jump into tonight's episode of Clear Skies. Before we begin tonight's game, I would just like to point out how cool it was that Jessica Chastain was both in The Martian and Interstellar in the same year. Like, lots of space shit going on that year. All right, anyway, on to our show tonight. Before we jump into the episode, I just want to point out that we are having a dice giveaway. We have uh, a sponsor. Jake, can you tell us the name of the company that's doing this dice giveaway with us for tonight? Yes, that would be Die Hard Dice. Die Hard Dice. And so we have coordinated with our mods, so it's going to be happening at the break, if I remember correctly. Is that correct? Are going to be doing this at the break? Yes, why not? <laughs> or we could do it now. No, 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 no. no. It, it will be happening around break time. It will be happening. Okay, around, around break time? All right, cool. Yeah, this is the problem when you give information to an, a GM who has ADHD and is about to run a campaign. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure Jake told me all the information I needed to know right before we went live. <laughs> Just All right, let's go ahead and start tonight's episode. Um, when we last left off, the Ross had just had a spectacular encounter in the middle of an unexplored system. You were running diagnostics and trying to refine a brand new high-definition sensor system that has been recently installed on USS Ross. It's safe to say that after some pretty interesting encounters, that the sensors are actually working properly, though they do require calibration. What you were discovering, Chief Tech, is even though that these sensors ha are kind of like the dream come true for our science officer and our captain, unfortunately, again, because of all the power coursing through the USS Ross, these sensors are constantly requiring calibration every week. There's a, new, there's a new sensor that's up now, and it just says dance meter. And if it gets too out of whack, the meter goes up a little bit. And if it fills all the way up, 
we're back to dance class because we're out of sync, people. So we got to <laughs> keep it moving. <laughs> Turning it into a bit of a game for the engineering crews. Yeah. Because but really, a very quick way to incite a dance dance revolution. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine there are some members of Ox Crew that actually find that quite amusing and others who are smiling. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, can't wait. Um, however, again, it is worth noting that the USS Ross currently is functioning at the level an, a, a vessel that was designed for exploration in mind normally functions. The Ross is able to scan up to 17 and no, beyond 17 light years away at maximum resolution now, which means that you guys can get some refined readings on distant sensor contacts with a 45 minute delay. It's very nice. It was very nice. Um, however, the upkeep, you're going to have to assign some engineering crews to that. So Ox crew, there are probably some members of the Ox crew, you all know who you are, who enjoy working on sensors and have been dedicating a lot of their time to doing just that. The past two weeks since the encounter in the system with those ice creatures, first of all, that system has been placed under quarantine until it can be better understood. The Federation has decided, let's give those folks their space and have on the perimeter of that system posted a subspace beacon in order to maintain contact with that system and to be able to better observe in a way that's not intrusive. And the USS Johnson has been dispatched to that system for further studies of that particular, the belt, the gas, everything. Like it's become quite a discovery. And there is, based on what Exio was able to learn interacting with those life forms, the big quest right now for the USS Johnson is to put together some kind of rudimentary way of communicating. If these are transphasic beings, who knows what things they have seen or places they've explored, specifically because it seems like they explore the galaxy using comets to propel themselves across the stars, which takes eons. Who knows how long they've been traveling out here in the Shackleton Expanse. Um, for two weeks, though, the USS Ross has been dispatched from one system to the next, from one gaseous anomaly to the next, and has been utilizing the new sensor suite to function as a more exploratory, uh, an exploratory craft in place of the USS Johnson having to do her research with this new system. As a result, it's been very quiet on board the USS Ross for the past two weeks. And routine has started to build up on the ship that feels quite comfortable. There hasn't been anything extraordinary that's been taking place. It's been the day-to-day -day life of functioning on a starship and running the engines, running sensors, checking in with Starfleet, getting the latest news, picking up mail. You haven't been back to Narendra Station in about 14 days. You're not scheduled back at Narendra Station until the end of the month. Um, we're going to start today's episode off with the music and the light activating in the quarters of Captain Azari Sol, as their day is just beginning. Good morning, Captain. You hear the computer off to the side as the lights in the quarters begin to go up and up and up and up until they finally reach the luminosity that you have them set for in waking up in the morning. Tea. Oolong, hot, 
please. The replicator immediately forms your tea for you. I reach. I sit up in bed. I caffeinate. Like a fine-tuned instrument, almost every morning, with precision, it's usually a few seconds after the replicator has created your tea, or it's a few seconds after the first touch of the cup to your lips, where you hear the chirping sound of your yeoman contacting you for the morning brief. I tap. <laughs> Just let the slurping, <laughs> you hear this brief pause and then you hear uh, your yeoman, Asmi Shanto, just say, <laughs> good morning, Captain. I've, uh, I've got the morning brief for you. Lovely. I'll be along presently. See you soon. See you. Dressing in your uniform. What's that? I finish my tea. You finish in your bed. tea. <laughs> um, finishing your tea, going about the daily business, uniforming up, pipping up, moving outside as you step out into the main corridor a few of the ox crew um leaving the uh last shift and alpha shift starting again you see people captain saying good morning to you morning captain morning captain captain as everyone's passing by ox crew making room for you as you proceed to the turbo lift and as the doors of the turbo lift open you see yeri prawl standing there with a small smile on his face and he nods captain commander you're looking well. Thank you. Anything exciting? Not a damn thing, sir. I'd love to hear that from you. Not from science, but from you. Always. Main bridge. He glances over at you for a moment and says, You know, No one really asked any questions about when Sorex left the ship. I'm glad they've been well-versed in discretion. I have questions. That's very reasonable. Talk to my yeoman. Put an appointment on the books. If you have concerns, we should talk. I'll think about that, Captain. Maybe this is one of those times where it's not our problem anymore. Mm. I don't think you really let things not be your problem anymore, do you, Yari? I'm not sure Sorex is a problem or not. I haven't made up my mind about that, if I can be honest, sir. You may. And I think that's a very reasonable position to hold if such underestimating his capacity for mischief. Door opens and dashing down the hall into the turbo lift is your helmsman. Captain, morning. Hey, Prawl, what's up? That's Lieutenant Commander Prawl. Lieutenant. Yes, sir, it is. It is absolutely that. And he 
stands at attention as the turbo lift doors close and as the turbo lift goes and prawl just says but i'm fine thank you doing all right beat later and the door is open to the main turbo lift and you see the main bridge standing up out of the captain's chair you see commander exio as the uh last shift is moving away from the main stations and everyone starts taking their positions Department heads checking in with each other and giving them the updates on what happened during the last shifts. Um, Yeoman Shanto immediately approaches both you and Commander Exio and hands you both data pads and starts filling you in on some really basic stuff. <laughs> there was one injury last night with a sprained ankle. It happened in the main engineering bay. It's already been handled. Um, there's also been some... Uh, requests for some social activities on the promenade today. I'll be taking care of that. Although, uh, Captain, um, we do have one of our cooks in the main promenade um, has been interested in holding what they call uh, says here a a healing tea ceremony. Maria, Maria Corona, one of our civilians that uh, is transported here, is one of the people that works on the promenade in the diplomatic corps has apparently requested the opportunity to hold a healing tea ceremony on the promenade. If it's all the same to you, Captain, I'll just go ahead and authorize that. Yes. Sounds delightful. Please, can you give me a brief on the details of healing tea? Will do. Um, that's all I have for you. <laughs> I'll be out of your hair now. If you need me, you know where to find me, Captain. Commander? Oh. And as Asmi is leaving the bridge, the turbo lift doors open, and she comes face to face with both Olin Marginil and Lieutenant Jane Lacat, who she pauses when she doesn't seem to notice you, Olin. <laughs> she pauses and looks directly at Jane and just says, uh, good morning. Jane forgets how to talk for a second. Um, it's a uh, good morning. And then she remembers her place and steps aside to let the two of you out. And Olin, yes. So much side eye. So you're, I mean, much you're an empath, side eye. You're an empath within three feet of these two people. Means like, think of something cool to say. Think of something cool to say. Think of something cool to say. Well, what's something really cool to you're say? You're getting that in. If, if you could, if you were telepathic, you'd be getting that in stereo from both Asmi and from. The thing is, <laughs> I am telepathic. I'm just not a practiced telepath, and so. <laughs> um, oh, Deltons are telepathic. I wasn't sure. I, I wasn't clear if, if it's uh, a it's a very specific person with whom they can engage. That's that what I thought. Okay. Activity. That's what I thought. Okay, cool. So she steps aside to let the two of you off the turbo lift politely before she steps on. I feel like Jane misses her chance. You know what? Oh, I rolled an 18. Jane misses her chance. <laughs> okay, you walk past her. Asmi uh, walks past you. Yeah. Olin just sort of looks at Jane. Shh. And, uh... What's, um... Let's pretend that didn't happen. Or we can just talk about it later. Or never. <laughs> Alternative. Or later. <laughs> or alternatively, when, when, when hell freezes over. Okay, let's, uh, 
Let's, let's go check out these sensors. Is it? Oh, Jane. Is it maintenance day for my sensors? No, your sensors are good to go. Great. Jane hates maintenance day, and every time it's maintenance day, <laughs> like, maybe I should go take a dance class. Um, but today is not maintenance, maintenance day, so she's going to uh, go slide into her seat. Okay. Yeah, Olin goes in and uh, nods to the captain and uh, kind of pauses for a moment before also acknowledging the commander and then sits down. Fran begins to belt out all the coordinate locations of where uh, the USS Ross is currently positioned in the sector, what speed she's holding, and also what activity she's up to, basically informing you of where you're at. The Ross is currently um, traveling at warp one, you are in between uh, systems right now, neighboring systems. Um, the the order of the day, Captain, for the past two weeks has been somewhat monotonous. You've gotten some spectacular views of nebula and star clusters and the occasional anomalies. And oh man, Ross has finally started hitting patches of those spatial anomalies that Shackleton is known for. You're two sectors deep into the unexplored space of Shackleton. This is the farthest y'all have ever ventured so far. And right now it's become clear just from every now and then y'all hitting these bumps, even with the high resolution sensors, they are impossible to predict. And moving at warp speed means you come across them sometimes. Thankfully, nothing too bad has happened yet. And you haven't lost any power to shields. Um, but it hasn't been a smooth ride. Every now and then you find a road bump in space. You're currently proceeding towards uh, a system when there is a alert sound chirping behind the chair. And about the same moment you hear Yuri Prawl, your tactical officer say, Captain, there's a priority message coming in from Starfleet. There's a three hour delay on this one. All right, is it marked sensitive? Priority one. All right, take it in my ready room. Oh, aye, Captain. Transfers it to the ready room. All right, you move into the ready room, yes. swivel down into your chair and move over and you see this readout come up on your computer. And then you see Admiral April Bear's face pop up on the screen. Captain, this is a bit of an urgent matter. We've received a distress call from the USS Thunderchild. She's just outside of the standard range that ships should be exploring. As you know, standard protocol says that all starships should keep within warp distance of each other. So if there's any meaningful emergency that they can reach each other within, in a necessary time. Fortunately, the Thunderchild's found itself a bit off course. We received their alert call about three hours ago, station time. We've got their coordinates here. I'm sending them to your ship now. We don't know the nature of the emergency. The, uh, the signal is pretty garbled, but it's important that you proceed there immediately and I'm giving you authorization to proceed at maximum warp. Assist the Thunder Child and the situation. Starfleet out. Flip the transcript of message to all relevant staff. Pop out. Okay. We have a distress call, it's already six hours old, so let's get a move on. Hi, Captain, setting course. Vryn just pops it into the helm and says, 
Maximum warp, Captain. Standing by on your order. Open her up, friend. Please spend nine points out of your power pool as the USS Ross leaps to maximum warp. Those two warp cores begin to come online and power begins to course through the Ross's systems. Those nacelles light up and like a bat out of hell, the USS Ross leaps to warp. Estimated time of arrival at maximum speed, three days, 15 hours, Captain. Oof. They're on the other side of the sector. How did this happen? Shall we continue with maintenance as usual in the meantime, Captain? Yes, but check in with astrography. I want to have a sense of why and how that message might have gotten garbled. It could have been a spatial anomaly or something else, but if there's something that might catch us on the way in, I want to be prepared. Yes, Captain. All right. So you're going to do an analysis on the signal that came in, Exio? Uh, I imagine I'm going to walk over to Lacat's uh, station, station to do that with, yeah. Okay, Lacat, you feel the presence of Exio looming over you as she approaches you. All right. Um, do I have to go down to the actual lab to do this, or can I do this from my from the front bridge if we want like a more in-depth analysis? I mean, if you yeah. don't want to go to Citation Ops, I do want to go to Citation Ops. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's go! <laughs> Alright, cool. You're heading down there? Yeah. Crawl um, contacts you, Doctor, and lets you know that there's a that there's an emergency situation on the USS Thunderchild and that in three days, they're the scheduled arrival, that uh, emergency medical team should be on standby. We are ready and waiting. So Ox crew medical team has been alerted. And all sick bays on board the Ross are being prepared. How many days, uh, for clarification, how many days has it been since the um, mass amounts of damage done in sickbay? Oh, it's been about 14 days. Okay, so... Roughly 14 days. So the sickbay's been repaired by this point. Yes. We're not like... Oh, go ahead. I said we've defrosted. (laughs) Good. Um, And we didn't lose any supplies or we're not running low on anything that may have been damaged in the process. Cool. Yeah, sick bay is still fully functional at this point. And no tea plants were frozen. Yes, thank because, you, thank <laughs> you, Ox Crew. <laughs> solid use of momentum spend. Yes, yes, All I right. wrote the name down of the nurse who stood who took it. No, I didn't. I, you want me to give you a name? Yes, I got my, my new favorite list right here. I'm always eager to use my Ox Crew list, y'all. Give me a nurse that saved my tea plants because they I'll deserve you... a raise, even though we don't get paid in Starfleet. That would be Leah Sky, she, her, human ensign. Oh, I believe I believe uh, they were the one who helped me with uh, the Klingon baby birth. I believe uh, maybe. I remember a Sky. Yep. Let me look back at my giant notebook. (laughs) Notes. I'll get back to you on that. Okay. So the Nurse Sky. Nurse Sky. Yes. The one who helped me with my with the Klingon birth back on that station. Moving on. So, Exio and Lacat, you head down to Cetacean Ops. The two of you arriving, of course, 
is met with a jovial hello from a very large Adenian who floats right down to the uh, the front of the glass wall that leads out into Cetacean Ops. You see Dr. Yada bobbing his head up and down, and you hear, well, is that command staff in my science bay? Hello, Dr. Yada. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, Lacat. Is this uh, a relaxed visit, or does it have something with the fact that we just heard about a distress call? Unfortunately, it is the dress, distress call, so no swims for me today. Um, but uh, you seem to be the only one who might be able to help us with this, so there's that. We've got a little puzzle for ourselves. Um, I love puzzles. I love puzzles as well. Um, so just a stress call. We'd like to try and see if there's a reason it's garbled. Um, we uh, would like to keep an eye out for any anomalies, anything that could have disrupted it. I'd like to take a look at the actual path we will be taking and see if there's anything on the map that um, is sort of a red flag. I understand this is mostly in charted space, but um, anything mm. would be helpful. Or maybe you'll hear a ghost song again. Uh, who knows? Let's see. Show me the information yeah. you've got. Um, she's gonna share that data. Share uh, the. Uh, she's. I'm gonna say. Can I say that she's like taken the course that Brian has plotted? Sure. Oh yeah, you've got all the information. It's basically just like swiping it up onto the wall, the holographic data wall that's like right in front, so that you I can be paired between. You just basically swipe it up and peers up. What's up, Exio? Uh, I just had a question with uh, with April Abar's um, sort of brief. Was there any like the th Thunder Child was sort of not where they were supposed to be? Correct, or she seemed to hint that the Thunder Child had kind of wandered off course, perhaps. Right. It's standard, it's standard protocol, and especially when you've got three ships out here that are that are in this vast unknown swath of space to at least keep within range of each other. If there's yeah. ever an emergency, they can respond. Sure. Um, Thunderchild seems to have wondered or at least be slightly out of range. It's not so much out of range where it could be considered like, what's up with that? Like, it doesn't raise suspicion, but it is an inconvenience. It's, okay. it's close enough where you're just like, damn it, what was going, what was he, what was he thinking? Okay, and uh, what was that? Do we have the information of what their mission was, like what their destination was before they went off course mm -hmm. yeah. um so as to know so to to give to dr yada the path that thunder child was supposed to be taking so we can possibly figure out why they didn't let's do this let's make that a let's make that a roll and cool. the difficulty at zero so y'all can generate some momentum for the episode so i'm gonna say this is going to be a control um control command and for the Ross, it'll be computers and command. And I'll set the difficulty at zero. Did you want me to roll for the Ross? Yes, please. Okay. Three successes. Three? Okay, so generate three momentum. XEO. The incredible speed of your computer mind immediately pulling to, to all the information up as you access it in your visual range and then swipe it up onto the field, adding to the data that Lacat has already provided for Dr. Yada. You see a course plotted as well as 
transmitted crew logs of indicating what their mission was. The apparently, according to the mission information, the USS Thunderchild was actually doing a survey mission, which isn't unusual for a ship like the Thunderchild. They don't necessarily do scientific missions. What they'll kind of do is plant flags and be like, okay, science vessels should come check this out. Science vessels should come check this out. Kind of like surveying the area. And if they come across anything that could be of scientific interest or benefit, or they'll, they'll plant a flag. Other than that, the Thunderchild mostly just runs recon and keeping track of security here in the system. As you know, the USS Thunderchild, according to the data that's coming up on screen, is an Akira-class starship. This was a class of starship that was designed specifically with the Borg in mind. It is a warship, or was. Now it's being used as mostly a defense platform for the Federation and runs to the aids of ships that are in need. It's a fast ship, too. They're known for carrying quantum torpedoes on many occasions. So it's a heavy hitter. This is a mofo of a starship. If you remember correctly, in Shield of Tomorrow, Mirror Universe episode, you actually had one of these ships. Um, big badass. She was beautiful. She shot huge pew pews. I loved her. The Audacity was a big badass Mirror Universe Akira class ship, and she was scaly. In this case, the Thunderchild is got a coup complement of about 500 on board. They were currently stationed near the Motolis system, which is an uncharted system that had been surveyed by Narendra Station about a year ago. That's M-O-T-O-L-Y-S. Nothing unusual had been reported about this system, except that it currently has only one single celestial body, a protostar. This is a solar system that is in the process of being born. One of the most spectacular celestial sights you can see is a sun coming to life. And apparently, the Thunderchild was on station just to survey. They were last reported in that system uh, about the time, let's see, six, seven, eight, about eight hours ago. Their distress call was received six hours ago, and y'all have three days to travel. Dr. Yada immediately, I'm going to pull out his stats and roll for him. By the way, I'm going to be posting, because I've got all these stats and I have yet to share them, but I'm going to go onto the StreamPunks Patreon and start posting all of the stats for our NPCs for you guys. So you'll get to see Dr. Yada and Yeri Prawl. It's time to share all that stuff, I think. That'd be fun. So if you want to use them in your STA games, please, please, please feel free. Prowl is for all. <laughs> okay, here we go. So, so she has communications. Uh, if you could, for me, Xander, roll for the Ross. The Ross is going to use, on this one, the Ross is going to be computer science. Okay. The difficulty of this is going to be tricky. It's going to be four. Okay. So tell me what. Wow. One success from Ross. Okay, so that's five successes. Nice. I rolled two ones. Oh. <laughs> so Doctor Yada's like, oh yeah, give me, let me, let me have a look at that. Hmm. And you didn't uh, take a momentum, correct? Yes. So, <laughs> so we're, we're at, at four. four. I'm. I hope this is getting like flushed out so that whenever I finally play D and D, these ones <laughs> never make an appearance again. 
We're um, only at four momentum? You should be maxed out now, right? You should be, yeah, because I got three last oh. time. The last you got three. Roll was... Oh, that's right. You got three. The difficulty was four. He scored five successes total, so that's once. So you're at four. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Um, I okay. Yeah. Dr. Yada starts doing some calculations, and you see the wavelength of the transmission coming up on screen, LeCat and Exio. You get to see the transmission source, and you see where some of the disruptions are. It looks like Yada's going to have to fill in the gaps with his knowledge of how subspace carrier waves are working. And he starts like piecing it together, running data scans and whatnot, and starts talking to you while he's doing it. So how have you two been? It's been a pretty quiet couple of weeks on the Ross. Have you been going absolutely insane? Or has this been the time of your life? Cat it has to be one or the other. Oh. Uh, cat says nothing because Cat doesn't, is bad at small talk with people that she doesn't <laughs> usually do small talk with. Um, mm. It's, I think she's still, and like, she's friends with Dr. Yada, but she's still like, reeling from the like, what was something cool that I should have said? <laughs> you seem preoccupied, Lieutenant. Oh, me, yes. Um, distress calls get me distressed. Oh, you should make an appointment with Exio. I look at you, cause I know that that answer was bullshit and I just look <laughs> at you and I go, you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> the bullshit detector goes off. Exio is like, it's okay. It's like, you're, you're good. That wasn't, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she mounts a, a thank you to you. Um, from that point on, I'm gonna take uh, Dr. Yada's attention a little bit mm -hmm. uh, and, and just say, well, I've been having quite a lovely time actually. Um, Turns out deciphering language is quite a fascinating and thrilling subject. Olin and I have been working quite close together and tell you what, wind chimes are a delightful language. And she just starts chatting and chatting and chatting and just starts going off and-, and... He, he, he very much like that episode of TNG where it's all about data trying out small talk. Dr. Yada is a master of small talk and just kind of starts belting along with you, saying things like, even though it is true that this is the salinity of the water in our environment is going to make it a little more difficult for water to freeze, I'm still quite grateful that those ice creatures did not choose our deck to come in and visit. <laughs> uh, freezing to death in deep space is something that should be re reserved for being sucked into the vacuum and not from waking up in the morning. Uh, let's see. Ah, we have it here. And you see some of the data come up and he says, looks like garbled source of transmission at the source. Uh, <laughs> let me begin again. The source of the transmission was garbled at the point of transmission. Does that make sense? Did I make that make sense? That makes sense. Um, right. Do we know? So they uh, scrambled it on purpose. It doesn't look like it was deliberate, but it's hard to tell motivation. What I'm looking at right now doesn't look like signal jamming. So it was possible it was a malfunction of the equipment as it was creating it? It's or possible that there was a malfunction, or it's possible that there was stellar phenomenon making it difficult hmm. to communicate. But um, when the transmission is being jammed, it's usually much more aggressive. There's usually an overflow of signal that's blocking the other signal. This has actually gotten enough signal out where the distress signal can be heard. If someone was attacking the Thunder Child, <laughs> I don't know who would be foolish enough to do that. But if somebody was, uh, they would probably be much more thorough in actually jamming the signals. Could it be the, I mean, my first inclination is that it's the cause of the distress. Um, but maybe that's just because <laughs> I'm a Cardassian and we're a little paranoid. Um, 
but I... I think that just makes you a good officer. I'm sorry, can you repeat that, Dr. Yada? I think that just makes you a good officer. And let's be honest, the USS Ross has encountered a lot of things in the past year of its travels that have kind of engineered us all to suspect that some shenanigans are up to. Is that the right way to say that? Yes. Excellent. I'm learning human vernacular. (laughs) Is that the right word for that? Vernacular. Excellent. Um, No, I like this theory, uh, Lieutenant. Uh, If the distress call had to move through what was ever possibly causing them distress, it would explain the phenomenon on the actual distress call. And the Thunder Child is a very, very capable ship. So I imagine it's going to be something quite strange we come upon that has caused them to ask for aid. My suspicion is that that's the right course of action. The Thunder Child, of course, you can see with basic command input, you can see the readout for it here. And you see the blueprints, the Thunder Child come up on the screen. A blade of plating, full complement of quantum torpedoes. This is a ship that is designed to protect the entirety of the star base and the fleet out here if it needs to. If it's taken some kind of damage, my guess is it's probably something that the Thunderchild wasn't equipped for. Is there any way that we can like listen to like the sound waves, like outputs of the actual disturbance and compare it to like past disturbances that like we've heard? Like Ooh. we have like an audio file library. I could try cross-referencing some audio files by singling out each individual carrier wave and see what we can come up with. Let's see here. And you see the waves getting separated and he starts humming some strange tune, which by the way, the universal translator does not pick up. And instead it sounds like a long haunting symbol, uh, like sound of clicks and squeals underwater on the other side of the glass until finally you see each individual carrier wave is separated out and brought up on the screen in front of you and he starts overlaying and you see him just trying to compare and contrast with those number of successes if you're trying to obtain information i'm going to call this an obtain information so i would ask you to spend one momentum yeah um i would absolutely say we should uh obtain the information but basically just uh what what causes like these disturbance waves what causes disturbance waves that look like this is, is essentially the Piece of so, grab if possible. Yada, based off of based off of your suggestion, Yada brings up about thirty-two different types of possible disturbances that match something similar to what you've seen, but they all have something in common. About twenty of them all have the same thing in common, which would suggest some kind of subspace distortion, or perhaps something that actually interfered with the signal at the location indicating that it might be a naturally occurring phenomena of some kind. So nothing conclusive, but certainly something that points you in the direction. Out of the 30 possible disturbances, 20 of them seem to line up with that. I mean, on one hand, it's good that it's just a natural phenomena, so there's no like inherent like malicious intent here. But um, on the other hand, if it's a natural phenomena that's causing them distress, then those tend to be far, far worse. Um, you can't reason with natural phenomena. Um, and let us not forget, not that long ago, we were tractor beamed by a comet, so. Exactly. Um, 
but only 32, maybe 20 options about what this is. That's good. Better than 33. Well uh, done, Lieutenant. Okay. Um, she would like to uh, take this data, and um, I think that she'd like to, like, try and um, take it back to her scans and see if, like, she can somehow just, like, use her scans to, like, use this to, uh, like, enhance, or, like, the input she's getting from her scans, I guess, or, like, okay. use um, gain greater info. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, cross-reference with the information you've got, you'll be able to take a better approach of scanning when you arrive on location. Actually, yeah. when you're only a day out, you guys will be able to use long-range scanners to yeah. get a sense of what's going on. Yeah. I basically, <laughs> I uh, yeah, I want to relay back to the captain that uh, the hypothesis is that we we're, we're fairly certain that whatever the disturbance is, it is around the ship, so our path should not be. Yeah, if, if we are following a relatively similar path to the Thunder Child, we should not run into any issues until we are much closer to the ship. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, pr please proceed. My crew has it unlocked. Your crew is a well-oiled machine, Captain. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, I was just saying, uh, yes, I believe my part is finished, Captain. And blip, um, uh, <laughs> Dr. Lecat and, uh, or uh, Lieutenant Lecat and Dr. Yara seem to have this part handled. Trust them to have it covered. Yes, most of the, the theorizing was coming straight from the cat herself. She has got quite a handle, I think, on haunted space. <laughs> She's getting there. I think. I think she's gotten there yet. She's chasing it either way, so. Oh. Of course she is. <laughs> that makes sense. Should pull her in sometime. She can use some mentoring. Dr. Yada did suggest, though, for the wrong thing. Wrong thing? <laughs> there, There is definitely something on Lieutenant LeCat's mind, but um, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure it's something she that said coming from me would help. Of Axio, we all... Hold in your ears are burning right now. I'm <laughs> talking about this right next to you. <laughs> I'll just lean right over to Olin as well, who's on my other side. She doesn't think she's subtle about it, does she? This, yeah. unfortunately, is starting to follow Linda a little under the gossip category, and therefore not my purview, Captain. And she sort of sits back in her chair. Scuttlebutt, you yeah. <laughs> that's, that's totally the XL. Gossip, gossip, gossip. But not, not as counselor. far as the bridge crew publicly hears. <laughs> if it's not affecting her performance and her work, it is not my job. It is absolutely not my job. Okay. Olin, Olin sort of looks over at the captain and just sort of raises an eyebrow at them and then without a word just continues to sort of look at their report. <laughs> All right. We'll we'll settle back in 
for a while. And maybe just just when Prawl's nearby, I'll I'll hum we didn't start the fire. Just just to get the clutch. <laughs> Three days of travel means that if y'all have any scene requests, there's plenty of time for them. The ship right now, the USS Ross, as she is flying at warp nine, currently has a lot of activity going on as people are aware that they are preparing for a possible rescue mission for one of your sister ships. This is the first time the Ross has responded to a Federation distress call. So there's a lot of agitation on board, a lot of anxiety, a lot of concern, especially because Ox crew has friends on board the USS Thunderchild. So, yeah, Olin. Um, Olin is actually going to excuse themselves from the bridge and head to the med bay. Okay. Um, you head down to the med bay? And they poke their head in. And to whomever it is the first that they see, um, is Dr. McCrellin. Is Dr. McCrellin? Yeah, to whomever is the first that, uh, that they see. If it's Dr. McCrell themselves, then they wouldn't ask, but they're just sort of poking their head. And as you bring in, the door opens to the med bay. I'm guessing you are there, Dr. McCrell? I'm in my office. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, o Olin, as you, as, you, as you peek your head in and look around, you do see a, a med bay that is in the current process of doing a lot of preparation. There is a bullion. This is Lieutenant Junior Grade Ursine Weja, or I'm sorry, Wida, Widai. She looks at you for a moment and says, oh, the doctor's right over there in her office. Excellent. Thank you, Lieutenant. You, and... you guys have the scene. Good day, Doctor. Ah, Ambassador Olin. What do I have the honor? Well, I, I realize that you and I actually haven't had many opportunities to speak with each other, aside from the occasional mission thing here or there, the magic carpet and then the wind chimes, but not much of an opportunity to actually sit down and chat. Plus, I do mm, believe that the offer of tea has been proffered once or twice. Uh, yes, would you, uh, I mean, you're more than welcome to join me now. I'm having a cup right now, but if you would like it to be in a more uh, formal occasion or casual occasion, we could have tea whenever you'd like. I appreciate that. And of course, I would love to take you up on that. I'm not exactly here on casual uh, necessity or... I wanted to ask you about Sorex. Um, yes, Dr. Sorex. Or Dr. Willux. Mr. Sorex. <laughs> He's a man of many faces, literally. I put one on him. <laughs> I think that if anybody on the ship you managed to get 
the closest look at him. Get to know him the best. Yes. I guess I wanted your impression of him. What you think of him. Sorax is a man who was raised to believe without a doubt that his way was the right way. That the Romulan way was the right way. A man of many talents, I would say. But I feel that his time with the USS Ross opened his eyes and made him respect a bit more. Why are you concerned about Sorex? If you don't mind me asking, he's not even on the ship anymore. He He's on the station. Yes, he is, but... My first interactions with him were rather incendiary. Oh my god, sorry, I'm gonna freak out for just a second because a cricket just jumped out onto my desk. Oh my god, oh god. Macross starts to attack it. I will get this story, I will save him from the cricket. I'm going to strange. Oh my god, I hate crickets. Let your conscience be your guide, Olin. Don't forget the prime directive. Give a little wisdom. I'm trying. It just jumped into my headphones. No. I'm going to have to pause this for just a second and deal with this. And I'm so see, it was lovely talking to you, Ambassador. Um, <laughs> let's continue this conversation later, maybe over tea <laughs> when I'm off duty. Yes? Enjoy your cricket. <laughs> And I'm going back to my tea as the ambassador leaves the med bay very abruptly, uh, running out. And I will look off into the distance, as in like a Star Trek episode where they zoom in and give a little whistle. <laughs> All right. Um, what is everybody else doing? I was just want to say, I finally get a scene with with Olin. <laughs> I know, I know. It's been thirty episodes. We finally have a scene together. <laughs> anyway, um, I'll be in my office. Anyone need, if anyone needs me. <laughs> That's just nuts. <laughs> All right. Um, unless anybody else has anything that they want to do, <laughs> we can. We can. Uh, with the check-in with engineering, things have been going relatively yeah. smoothly. I mean, we've, okay. I think that engineering works the best when we've got a, a task ahead of us and everything is just, it's moving along. And so I think everything, everyone is focused on the task ahead and making sure that we can keep it maximum warp for three days because that's a long time. It is a long time and it is putting, it is definitely putting a strain on the engines. Um, yeah. However, the engines look like they're actually dealing with it. It looks like... Right. Uh, one of the unique things about the Ross is because she has two warp engines, um, it, it is giving her the opportunity to actually continue to sustain this speed without a huge disruption. 
to the power output itself. So, um, what you guys are seeing though is that uh, in main engineering, what you're what you're witnessing is is that the uh, the power output of the engines is putting a strain. Actually, I would say for the very first, this is the first time the Ross has had to fly at maximum warp for more than a few days. So. At three days, what you're starting to see, Chief Tech, is a lot of strain being put on the plasma conduits, which has always been Ross's biggest problem. Mm -hmm. There's just so much power flowing through these systems, and those EPS and plasma conduits are constantly requiring checking in on. Um, as a quick reminder to our Ox crew who are watching, um, the Ross does have a trait temperamental. Yeah. Because she is a prototype starship with two warp cores. As a result, as a GM, I can burn threat to cause a problem to happen to the USS Roswell system transit. However, currently, no problems are being reported. And the engineering teams are actually enjoying the work of keeping a lookout on the systems and are coordinated with you, Chief Tech, to ensure that they are in working order. It's like a, a marathon runner. We've geared up for this and we're doing the thing and we just got to keep pace and everything is going according to plan. Yeah. <laughs> Knock on wood. Yeah. All right. Uh, Olin, you are back. Would you like to continue? Sure. I'm so sorry about that. I'm terrified of crickets. Um, do not like them. So valid. I have some really bad traumatizing experiences from college with them, so. No problem. Let's, uh, let's, let's, you want to say that we, like, meet later in the promenade to where sure. we can actually sit down and have tea? Sure. Sure. So that so way, you don't have to, this. you don't have to be in my office. It's not fun. Why don't we, why don't we say this? The two of you meet on the promenade in time for what looks like a healing tea ceremony that is taking place, uh, right now with a member of the Ox crew. How convenient. There is a healing tea ceremony that's being taken place with Maria Corona, which is sort of like a guided meditation and also like he the moment you enter the promenade, McCrell, you can smell the herbs of the teas. Like it's there. These are a lot of the teas that Maria uses here in her shop that she keeps on the promenade as an as an extension of the diplomatic corps for the USS Ross. A lot of it is not replicated. A lot of it she has imported to her when there is a stop at the Ranger Station. Same way Chief Tech places orders for organic food to be brought to the USS Ross for special occasions. Maria uses these organic teas, this civilian, for special occasions like this healing ceremony, where a lot of people are coming together and meeting up on pillows that are being laid out onto the ground near one of the water fountains. And again, for a ship that's at warp with the current with, with the promenade looking as beautiful as it does overhead is that wall of window looking out into the beauty of space at warp so there's this ambient blue glow that shines down into the promenade as the ross is traveling at high speeds and this meditation ceremony where tea is being passed around um maria by the way is a woman in her looks like her early 40s she is mexican heritage and is currently guiding everybody in sort of like a seated well-postured meditation as tea is being passed out 
speaking in Spanish and then translating to those who don't necessarily have the universal translator innately installed, like most Starfleet officers, um, explaining to uh, some of the people, some of, specifically some of the people who are non-Terran, what the translations are. Um, and walking them through this guided meditation as a lot of you move past them. It's quite a lovely sight to see Ox Crew doing their thing. I think I'm not uh, obviously like partaking in the ceremony, but I think I'm sitting off kind of in the distance and watching it um, as I wait for Ambassador Olin with my mm -hmm. own tea. It definitely has a calming effect. Yes, I would it's very say nice. about an, a few minutes pass, and I guess Olin would arrive at about that time. Mm. They probably come out from their actual office on the promenade. Stepping out of the promenade. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, the promenade, of course, always in, it always induces a, 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 a feeling of peace. There's just this this there's the the slow like low hush of conversation of the ox crew who are all talking and enjoying the the artificial environments of birds and plant life that is created here through the holographic projectors along with the waterfalls and whatnot. This place, you can tell McCrell this, it just reminds you that the Ross was built to be a diplomacy platform out in the middle mm -hmm. of Shackleton. And every time you walk on these two floors, of the promenade that expands across the saucer section of the USS Ross, it always reminds you what a unique ship this is. <sighs> I need to spend more time on the promenade. It's a rather lovely place. Um, it is. Thank you for meeting me here. I apologize for earlier. That's fine. That's fine. I also um, cannot stand the game cricket. You know, I never learned. It's a horrible Terran game. Rather strange. I never quite <laughs> understood it. Everyone takes stress damage. Uh, I'm, uh, you know what? I, I don't, it's Monday. I don't have jokes. All right. <laughs> In any case, um, you wanted to talk about Sorex, yes? I did. Um, I know that you saw quite a bit more of his journey of transformation than I did. I really rather got the very beginning and then I guess the tail end of it. No, I put my tail out. No pun intended. Indeed. Ambassador, Definitely. like I said before, Sorex, Sorex was a man of many talents. And I believe for the first time, he actually has a way of putting his talents into good use. Not just for the use of what others want him to do. Why do you ask, if I may ask? And she sips her tea. I am trying to determine if... Did you trust yourself around him? Yes, Sorax has a way of seeing deeper into people than most. With his training, he is very observant. You know, 
I believe we were growing to be very close friends. I do miss him. I wish he was still on the ship, but I understand that he is on his own journey and must do what he feels is his way of... I don't want to use the word redemption, but I feel like he's finally finding out who he truly wants to be. Thank you. Do you trust him? <laughs> not as far as I can throw him, and that's not quite very far. Yes, you don't have very much upper body strength. I can tell by your arms. I was built for That was not an insult. That's so I'm sorry. No, 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 it's fine. I I I know I know my uses and uh chucking people across rooms is certainly not one of them. No I'm using my words. You are strong here. <laughs> I on the other hand could possibly throw him quite far and as much as um, I feel like our instincts are to not trust him, I do. I know the way that you met Sorax was not very conventional, <laughs> but I feel like he was doing what he had to do in order to survive and to secure the survival of his family, which of course we know now was a fantasy. What his mind was put through. I appreciate your insight. And I'm sorry that I've not taken the opportunity to speak more with you. You are a very busy ambassador. And I you have are a very busy doctor. <laughs> on occasion, these past few days have been very... Let's just say there was a sprained ankle and that's about it. <laughs> well... It is a... A doctor who is excellent, who never has to deal with many patients, for she has taught her crew to take care of themselves, and is an ambassador that doesn't have to deal with too many fires because the universe in and of itself has figured out how to take care of itself. Fortunately for us, neither of those things are completely possible, and therefore we get to keep our jobs. Yes. How lucky. <laughs> and like McCarl tries to smile, but it's awkward. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> grin with things. How lucky. <laughs> How lucky that we didn't start the fire. It was always burning. <sighs> Take stress damage. <laughs> Take a oh, promotion. Please, please don't say that too loudly. I'm fairly certain that Commander Prawl might be listening to everything anyone ever says, and the mention of fire might actually make his jaw crack in two. Has he seen you, by the way? Oh, wait, never mind. You can't tell me that. Um, but, yes. Uh, uh, are you, you're talking about Prawl, yes? Mm -hmm. 
uh, is there a medical issue that I should be addressing? I've noticed that he has been under a lot of stress. I was going to recommend him uh, to come into sickbay, but he tends to be quite stubborn. You can see it in the clinch of his jaw. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad I'm not the only one who's noticed. Oh, are you talking? Oh, yes, I've tried to give him <laughs> teeth spacers, but again, he's stubborn. <sighs> Mouth guard. Macrell helps those who help themselves. Mm. And if not, I shall try and trick them into helping mm. themselves. <laughs> I'm just drinking my tea. Like LaCat, Macrell is also not very good at small talk. In fact, talking in general is just not something she enjoys. Unless she's like, I don't know, hitting something or stitching something up just gonna i think that there's a a certain level of of uh, familiarity and comfort to this type of conversation Mm -hmm. uh this sort of stilted can't really do small talk sort of thing that olin is used to and therefore doesn't really have any like space for judgment about like they're just sort of like yeah that's fine you don't have to you don't have to be good at this um i feel like um uh, McCrell always has this very neutral, uh, this ability to always kind of show almost no emotion, just like the same, just like meek smile, like just very, she seems always very, um, uh, neutral. Uh, but because of your ability, you can feel that she is ve- feeling very awkward right now and doesn't know where to put her tea and uh, is like, do I talk about the weather? There is no weather. We are in space. Like in that process of like, ah, oh, I saw it rain. No, I didn't. Oh, crap. Like, you know, trying to, uh, doesn't know what to, doesn't honestly know what we have in common besides the fact that we're both concerned of Sorax, apparently. So I was wondering a bit about something. I noticed when I was leaving the lab a few weeks ago, you seemed rather preoccupied with uh, your plants. And when one of your uh, nurses came in with one of them, you seemed quite overjoyed. I could feel it on the way out. Um, Yes, it's a special herb that I have been growing since I was a child. And... um, is it one specific to occasions, uh, or is it something that uh, is otherwise well known? More of a personal hybrid. Oh, do you have a lot of experience with cross uh, uh, crossbreeding of plants? I do have a slight interest in botany. Yes. Have you? You could say that? I share that with our chief science officer, or okay. science officer. Look at not chief. Sorry. With tech. Mm. <laughs> have you have you had the opportunity to talk with her about that at all? It is nothing of consequence. It is merely more of a I think you underestimate how much Lacat loves plants. <laughs> yes, but this particular one is just more of a personal hobby of mine for my tea of course what am i getting off 
I'm gonna curl with that. She wants you to change the subject. <laughs> yeah, that discomfort. Yeah, it's not just discomfort. She wants you to change the subject. You almost don't even have to use empathy to get that feeling from her right now, Olin. She's sending clear signals. <laughs> Are there anything else, other, any other plants that you have any particular interest in? That you uh, consider yourself an expert in growing? Mm. I've always been a fan of hibiscus. Um, when I was learning plants, I was having difficulty pronouncing, and I confused it with food, and would always call it hot biscuits, <laughs> and no one understood what I was trying to grow. Well, hibiscus are edible. I'm not sure if you knew that. Yes, but you they don't taste well with butter in an oven. No. Hot biscuits are something quite different, indeed. Yes. I have difficulty sometimes with wording things correctly, which I'm sure you can feel off of me in this conversation. May I? It is, I just wanted to make sure that you knew that you do not make me uncomfortable, Ambassador. It is conversation in general. If it makes you feel any better, a lot of my job is one of two things. Making people feel comfortable or making them feel very uncomfortable. Usually it is intentional that I'm doing one or the other. If you're feeling uncomfortable with our conversation, I do apologize. There is no need to apologize, Ambassador. You are exquisite company. Is that a good word for it? I think you're better at words than you give yourself credit for. Indubitably. <laughs> and just goes back to her tea and watches <laughs> the ceremony. Um, joining in that ceremony, by the way, are two other members of the Ox crew that have settled in. You recognize one of them, uh, Olin, is Vlasistov, who is one of the members of the bureaucracy here on the USS Ross. Not technically an ambassador, but definitely somebody who works with the ambassador corps and is somebody you have at your disposal. There's also a Lieutenant Takara, who is currently joining up with this tea ceremony. Two members of the Ox crew that the both of you recognize. As they're settling in, the tea ceremony, you see them, one of them reaches, a, kind of looks over in your direction and Maria spots the two of you and raises her hand and says, Hola, would you like to come join us for the ceremony? What do you think, Doctor? Um... Oh, why don't you go and enjoy it? I would more, I would feel more comfortable observing. Plus, I've already have partaken in my tea. But please, by all means, it seems like a delight. Hmm? Thank you for the time, Doctor. It was my pleasure. And please, 
Tell Sorax I said hi. If you speak to him, of course. I'm not entirely sure why you think I'd have the need to speak with him, but I appreciate uh... He was just a... feeling. Maybe not quite in the way that you have, but I just... getting the impression that your inquiry about him might... Good day, Dr. McCrow. Good day, Ambassador. <sighs> In McCrow's mind going, great, we won't talk about that again, because... <laughs> the two of you both seem to have discovered subjects of awkwardness that caused the conversation to stammer a little, but not in a way that wasn't recoverable. But as the two of you managed to separate, I imagine McCrow and Olin are trying to analyze what their move what that conversation, what was really going on in that conversation as the two of you kind of danced around some of the subjects. Olin, as you move over to the Ox crew, you're warmly welcomed by everyone. Of course, you being the ambassador, you are one of the social butterflies of the ship. And as a result, uh, they're very delighted to see you as they immediately present you with a very comfortable pillow to sit upon. And you are handed a brand new cup of porcelain filled with spiced smelling tea. The day continues. I can smell it from here. So, a few days pass. The agitation and anticipation on, to on board the USS Ross just grows as the Ross comes closer and closer. A day out, the USS Ross's high resolution sensors at this distance can get a basic idea of what's going on up ahead. So why don't we do this? LaCat, make a sensor check. You're gonna run a deep space scan to find out what's going on. This is gonna be your reason science check. The Ross is rolling sensors plus science. The difficulty at this range and what's going on in that system places it at five. Oh, I rolled a 20. You rolled a 20. <laughs> the Ross got a crit though. <laughs> okay. As you begin to run your scan, as you begin to roll your scan, the Ross's sensors immediately glitch out. A sudden shift as if the maintenance cycles hadn't been properly executed on these brand new sensors. And hear LaCat's snarl at her like board. Like, the snarl of Jane LaCat at this time. Essentially, it's nothing, it's not necessarily a fault of the maintenance crew itself. Also, keeping in mind that this is a brand new job that's being put in front of the ox crew. So, this was expected, this was going to happen at some point. But what you see as you immediately start pulling up a quick diagnostic readout, Jane, is the Ross running so much power right now through her warp engines actually caused an unanticipated surge of power in the main sensor array and the sensors captain as you're sitting there and jane begins to run that scan you hear the chirping alert sound as sensors go offline so you cannot see further than one light year ahead of you right now i danced this week she repeats <laughs> um she <laughs> so here's here's the fallout from this yeah, nothing long term Nothing long-term, it just means for this role, you're not gonna get any information. I'm fine, she's 
What was the difficulty of that roll? Five. Oh. And do some deep breathing. <laughs> um, Captain, I think we're going to need a moment before I can give you a readout. All right. Basically, the, the outcome of that complication is you're not going to be able to see what's going on until you arrive on the scene. Jane's going to clarify that when she, <laughs> moment, she actually means a moment might. in 24 hours. <laughs> For another 24 hours or so. That's a rather long moment. That's... I don't believe I'll hold my breath. I, I wouldn't if I were you. Um, Sorry, I'll do it for us, Captain. Exio. <laughs> Thank goodness. What would we do without you? Stop All breathing. Right. You know, I really might. I'm going to go check on the cat in about four hours. Sol doesn't say anything because again, she's six feet in front of him. <laughs> right. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna give her time to cool off before I approach. I imagine Insan Dari down in engineering looks much like Chewbacca trying to get the the, the hyperdrive online and is just slamming a tool into the side. It's like <laughs> oh, no. in pure frustration upon the sight of the sensors going <laughs> off at night. Just like that Andorian rage coming out once more. Um, <laughs> So here's how this setup goes. The ox crew and the engineering staff immediately get to work realigning the sensor readouts. If nothing else, Chief Tech, this short is actually helping you get more data on how to modify and make sure this doesn't happen anymore. Mm -hmm. You knew, like I said, you knew that this was gonna be a temperamental job because of how much power the Ross has coursing through her. You knew the sensors were gonna take some time to adapt to the systems you have in place. This was not your team's fault. This is circumstance. You didn't anticipate taking the Ross to warp nine. You didn't anticipate three day journey at this speed. You didn't anticipate this much pressure being put on the EPS conduits and the plasma output. But thankfully, about the time you're about to enter system, you get the sensors back up online. Not that that's going to help you necessarily. It's like you finally get the windows cleared when you arrive where you're supposed to go. Uh, <laughs> But yeah. you, Captain, you do hear Vren saying, now entering the system, Captain, I have a ship on sensors dead ahead. 46,000 kilometers. Bring us to yellow alert. Whatever got them won't get us. Okay. Yellow alert. Bringing the defensive shields up online as you were going into a possible rescue scenario. The Ross goes to yellow alert. And... Up on the view screen, you see a spectacular sight that causes a moment of shock and horror. The USS Thunderchild on maximum zoom as you guys are approaching looks like she is adrift. She's currently listing about 90 degrees to her port side where one of her warp nacelles looks like it's been completely destroyed. It's about half intact and it is blistering and spewing sparks and residue out into space a trail of plasma the ship looks like it's taken heavy damage and the hull looks like it's been scorched judging from just visuals there is minimal power as you can see constant light fluctuations the cat if you want to make a sensors roll here you can give the captain some more information as to what the hell is going on Absolutely. Do we have a momentum to burn for this as well? Can I? You have one less momentum. We're going to count this as the next scene. Okay, great. Um, in that case, 
it under one. And I can use my sensor's focus? Yes, and the difficulty of this is two. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, five. Plus a success from Ross. Awesome. Great. Um, How many back, momentum? Um, so if it was a two, the four, four back. Okay. Running a scan, you detect that the Thunder Child is currently experiencing major power fluctuations. Its port nacelle has been completely destroyed. It looks like the ship is currently running on minimal life support, which means they've been like this for at least three days. The power, gl- the power grid on board the ship itself is fluctuating. It's stable in that it's still fluctuating at the, at, in the parameters of which it is, but it's it's enough that it causes alarm. Like, it does not look like it can hold. You are detecting life signs on board. Hundreds of Starfleet officers on board. Okay. Um, is there, is it possible to, like, have had, like, a manifesto of, like, who was supposed to be on that ship and then, like, compare yes, the number? you have the full crew complement. Compared to that manifesto? You have a full crew complement. It's supposed to be... 500 crew members on board the ship. There are 21 life signs unaccounted for. Okay. Compared to what you what you're looking at. Um and we're going to have to pause there because it's 8 o'clock so it's time to take our break as the USS Ross arrives on scene to find her sister ship in desperate situation. Don't go anywhere. We're now going to have the dice giveaway. So if you've stuck around um in chat during our break, our wonderful mods are going to set that up for us as well as queue times. So don't go anywhere. We will be back in 10 minutes. Stay tuned. The very first episode that I ever ran of a tabletop RPG show was Eric's TBD RPG, Doctor Who. And the very first thing I said when we came live was I was narrating Darren DePaul burning the roof of his mouth with pizza (laughs) and had him roll to see if he could eat that pizza properly. Just a memory I thought I'd share with all of you. Um, we have a winner for the dice, the dice giveaway, don't we? Don't we, Jake? We do. Congratulations, Paladin three five six. Winner and uh, send your information over. Uh, Chandra or one of the other mods will be reaching out to you shortly. Yeah, right on. Congratulations, Paladin. Um, other fun story: the first time I ever heard the word Paladin was Final Fantasy two. Good times when did on that, come out? that was in '94. Cool. May, may have been about '94. Was that before was, you were born, Sam? I was a paladin <laughs> in Everrealm. <laughs> Hashtag the quest. Hashtag the quest. Mm. All right. Yeah. What's up, Rafe? I'm trying to remember where I first heard of paladin. I think it might have been like the Age of Empires, like video game series. Oh, uh, good, good. Oh, yes. <laughs> good video game. We're talking series. later. Are we all Age of Empire people right now? Oh, I think hell? we are. The history yeah. nerd. Did oh, y'all yeah. ever play Age of Mythology? Because that one was really good too. No. Yes, yes, I would have bought anything they put in front of me at that point. Yeah, Age of Mythology was so good, and they remastered it, and it's on Steam. Okay, sorry. I, I, all right, we'll get, we'll <clears throat> not we're, sponsored. We're <laughs> yeah. Let's go ahead and jump back into be. tonight's. What's that? But we could be. But we could be. Yeah. Let's, um, let's jump back into tonight's episode of Clear Skies. The USS Ross has just come out of warp 
and upon entering the system, has discovered the USS Thunderchild in an awful position. She is heavily damaged. One, her port side warpness cell has been completely destroyed. There's only about a third of it left attached to the beam. The power systems on board are fluctuating with minimal life support. Already a picture is being painted in, the, in all of your heads and the fact that this crew sent out that distress call some time ago, knowing that it was going to take a while for help to arrive. They've been like this for all about four days as the USS Ross has been racing to their aid, which is already painting an image in your head, Captain, of all the protocols, XEOU2, all of the safety protocols that come into play when a ship is in this kind of state, when it's unable to move, when it's like fluctuating power systems, there's probably people holding out in pockets on board that ship. Um, it does have minimal life support, so there is atmosphere in the ship. It looks like everyone's moving about that needs to move about, but the ship is just completely inert. It is currently listing at about 80 degrees off its off its beam, so it's a little bit drift adrift in front of the USS Ross as y'all are on our approach. Can I communicate yeah. with uh, Can I communicate with Commander Prawl as to what you said? There are plasma streams and and clear uh, damage done to the ship. Uh, can we get a quick analysis of what that might have been caused by? Yes, Prawl can give you a tactical readout of what's going on based off of Lacat's scans. Okay, so Prawl is gonna make a roll. If you could roll for the Ross here, Xander, this is going to be, for the Ross, this is actually gonna be, sensor security. Prawl is gonna make his roll. I'm gonna call that a, yeah, inside security check. All right, I'm set the difficulty at three. Okay. Tell no me what help. you got. No help? Okay. Prawl is looking over the information and shakes his head and says, difficult to tell, Commander. It. I can say that uh, no other ships have been detected in the, in the area. Captain, we were anticipating a... Um possible natural occurring phenomenon, not a attack. Something jammed the signal, and I, and, but Dr. Yada and Lacat deduced that it was not interference from a jamming or, or, or anything of the like. Could it have been from the protostar? You want to make a roll, Lacat? Yeah, absolutely. All right, make your sensors check. Difficulty of this is going to be two. And then if you want to obtain any more information. And then Ross will roll what Ross rolls. I believe we're only down to two momentum, FYI. Okay. Because the scene changes and stuff. That's all right. Because I rolled four successes. Damn. Hey, never mind. Now we have total. So gain four. three momentum. There was another one from the Ross, too. I don't know if that was included. Yeah, that's, that's the one. Yeah. Okay. So five successes total. So yeah, there is a protostar forming in the system. There are no other celestial bodies except for the fact that there are three asteroid belts that have started to form in the system oh. itself, which cool. is not unusual for a, a newborn system like this. There is a lot of debris in system and there is a lot of plasmonic activity, a lot of magnetic interference. The system itself is alive with activity. Sensors are now picking up 
all of this information did, that would seem to suggest that this system is in the is in a process of violent formation right now. If you want to spend more information and ask a question, that's a momentum spend. I would. Yeah. What would you like to ask? Are the high levels of radiation along various electromagnetic spectra consistent with the noise jamming, the yes. signal jamming that we yes. got? It looks like the magnetic interference that's, it, I mean, literally the poles of the star being formed right now, this incredible magnetic interference that's pulsating out from the center of the system is actually jamming up subspace signals quite handedly. If you were to try to communicate with an Arendra station right now, you would probably send the same sort of static interfered uh, communication that the Thunderchild sent. And because I have Studious, I get a bonus question. Okay, ask away. Of the radiation and activity, is there anything capable of doing the kind of damage uh, that we can observe to the ship? Like the equivalent of a, of a solar flare, like a sudden swell in this activity. Is that a, consistent with what we have observed of the damage? Yes. Or anything consistent? Yes, in fact, uh, very consistent with the Federation's encounters with plasma storms, which are numerous in the Briar Patch and well studied. It's entirely possible that the Thunderchild found itself on the receiving end of a rather sudden surge of plasmatic energy in the middle of this system and got hammered hard. Our poor ship was caught up in the winds of the storm and dashed up against the rocks. That's starting to look like the scenario here, yes. Can we establish any contact with them? That is going to be Prawl. Also, I was going to say, too, in engineering, we're trying, it's myself, Chief Singh, and Ensindari are trying to get locks on those life signals to see if we can emergency beam out anything. So it would be in conjunction with this. Okay, cool, cool, cool. In which case, I would say make an assist. Great. All right, so Prawl is going to make his roll. Um, Olin, would you mind rolling for the Ross? And you're trying to make a connection right now to, to hail the ship, essentially? Yeah. We're trying to lock on life forms, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to just add that to the thing oh. here. So gotcha. that's so going to be a communication for the Ross. That's going to be communications and engineering. Okay. Or I'm sorry, make that. Yeah, that's right. Communications engineering. And then uh, for you, Xander. Mm-hmm. That's going to be your standing engineering check for you. Control engineering. Yeah. And Prawl's going to make a roll. So there are four dice being rolled right now. Let's see what happens. I'm setting the difficulty for this at... Uh, I'm going to set it at four. It's not... not easy. Oh, goddamn. Goddamn with the rolls tonight. What'd you get? I got on my number, so it is a positive assist with a one. Okay. Prawl rolled a crit, so there's two successes right there. I rolled another one, so... Uh, and then one from Ross. Prawl focuses and coordinates with you down in the engineering tech. Mm. Here's the full layout of information I'm going to give you first, Tech, is that the massive amount, the yesterday massive amount of magnetic and radiation interference that's pulsating through this system right now is going to make transporting possible mm 
-hmm. but not safe. Mm -hmm. You are going to have to do it in small batches at a time. You're not Mm going to be able to start doing, and I I do mean like groups of four. Sure. (laughs) It's going to take a long time to evacuate that way. Yeah. That being said, you do have the capability. Prawl does report from Tactical that he has that he has them on channel, audio only. Good. All right. Open the channel. As the channel comes through, you hear a voice that you don't recognize. It's not Captain Victor Navarro. It's another voice with a thick Australian accent. This is the USS Thunderchild. To whom who, who am I speaking? This is Captain Azri Sol of the USS Ross. Admiral Hebert patched through your distress call. We came to answer. You ended up a little knocked out of your way. Captain, it's good to hear you. Yes, we've taken heavy damage. We could use your assistance immediately. (laughs) You can hear cheers in the background as this voice is saying this out loud, Captain. Clearly, everyone is hearing the communication, and you hear Starfleet officers behind the person talking to you reacting. What's going on, and how can we help? We got trapped up in a solar storm, came out of nowhere, have about 21 fatalities, 147 injuries, Captain. The command crew has been... Well, the captain is taking a serious injury, and with minimal power, I haven't been able to fully get him back on his feet yet. The XO isn't doing much better either. The bridge was hit pretty hard when the storm struck us. May I take it from your thorough rundown of the medical status that I'm speaking to the chief medical officer of this ship? That's correct, Captain. My name is Randall Mlawe. Good to talk to you, Mlawe. Lieutenant Commander, uh, my pleasure. Chief Medical Officer of USS Thunderchild. All right. Well, can we render assistance? I can dispatch my chief medical officer over to you. She's excellent in surgery, in particular. We'll take all the help we can get. All right. Meanwhile, we'll try to get you tractored and evacuate manually whoever we can't get through transporters. But I think I'd like to dispatch an advanced triage team to take care of whoever wouldn't be able to wait that long. Then we can send in engineering crews once everyone's patched up and figure out how to get everyone back to Narendra and into a very long period of dry dock. Understood. All right. Uh, stand by for dispatch of triage team. Send a child out. Captain, if you'd like me to head up that team, I am quite capable in the medical field and I might be able to assist in McCrell, Dr. McCrell. Sounds good. Aye, Captain. I'll hand off the ring. We don't know what kind of magnetic interference might be interfering with their own mobile emitters, and they surely won't be as extensive as ours. Good thinking. Take care, Butt. You too, Cap. All right. I'll let Dr. McCrell know. You're going on a triage adventure. The captain seems to be quite injured. 
Um, Dr. McCrell is already prepared knowing that we were going, obviously, I've had three days to basically prep both my med bay and like a, like to go kits, depending on whatever the emergency is. So I'm, McCrell basically, like as we arrived, already had like things in hand, just waiting. McCrell to the, ah, you are right outside the transport room, aren't you? Yeah, Yeah, like the, the door opens, I'm like, hello. Nice. Uh, you'll be coordinating with their chief medical officer. Uh, Mlawe is up and running. So, make a work. He'll know whatever the cases are pretty well. Good luck. Take Thank care. you, Captain. Take care of them. We yes. want to show them how good we are. All right. Singh is going to beam you over. Let me make a roll because it's difficulty three. May I spend a momentum here? Yes, please. I'm yes, yes. <laughs> All right. It's me. <laughs> what, what what is Xander rolling? Uh, this for uh, for the Ross. This is actually going to be a computer's engineering check. Okay. And the difficulty is three. The Ross crit. Okay. Awesome. I'm alive. So two successes and Singh got one. So you're good. What's our momentum at? Three, I think. Three. I believe I believe it's three, yeah. Thank you. So McCrell, you step up into the transporter pad and you see Chief Singh nod to you as Slide moves his hand up that slider. You hear that sound as the particles begin to form around you, that energy column begins to envelop you. And moments later, you find yourself standing on a transporter of transport pad, blinking, flashing lights overhead. Um, you can hear an alarm going off in the distance, but it looks like in this room, it's been silenced. As you appear on the transporter pad, you, and if I remember correctly, did I hear right that you had a few medical team with you? Uh, or, is it, I'm assuming... or is it just you? Oh, I was going to. Oh, you're going to exhale? Okay, cool. Yeah, just because so I, I also am quite, uh, I have medical knowledge that I might be able to assist her. Awesome, yeah. So the two of you appear on the transporter pad. You see there is nobody in this room as you all beam on to the pad itself. But you do see this room looks like, judging from the panels, this room's taking some damage. And you can see scorch marks up on the wall and the door is actually half open. The uh, I pull out lights a... in the corridors would indicate that there's still an emergency alert taking place. I pull out my tricord and go and look over <clears> and go, <throat> let's go find our patients. Hmm? Indeed, you take the lead. Okay. Uh, I'm assuming we know, <clears throat> the, I'm sure Dr. Randall <clears throat> sent us somewhere. Yes. If not, I can easily download the layout of the ship and guide us to where we need to go. Yeah. And you're not having any problems detecting with this tricorder where everyone is as you're moving into the corridor. Uh, first thing you notice too, um, McCrell, this is your first time on board a Arcura, an Akira-class vessel. The corridors are different than the Ross, as you can tell. They're not as spacious. They're a little more confined. Mm. This ship doesn't have quite the crew complement, and it has a lot more systems built into it for speed and weaponry. And as a result, they've kind of moved it around a little bit. And you can tell this place is a little more, dare I say, militaristic looking. Um, it's a little more utilitarian. Um, your tricorder scans 
without having to roll, I'll tell you to try to score your scans. Or no, go ahead and make a roll. We'll set a difficulty zero. It's important to have that momentum. Yes, so please. Make a reason science check. Or this, okay. you can use reason medicine here, actually, if you wanted to, doctor. Thank so you. Scanning for life. Life. Uh, oh. The difficulty is zero. So tell me what you get. Okay. And you can always spend for more information. Uh, reason medicine? Yeah. One. Two successes. Two successes. Gain two momentum. You and Exio move into the corridor, and the first thing that both of you become aware of is the temperature is off in here. Mm. Uh, probably a, a sure sign of a struggling environmental control system. Um, the fluctuating lights adding to that commentary. The, a lot of you kind of... McCrell, you can feel that the air is cool in here, cooler than it normally is. Exio, you're detecting that the temperature has probably dropped to about maybe 50 degrees Fahrenheit which would indicate that the environmental controls is kind of struggling a little bit to keep things temperate. But you are picking up life signs. And true to Starfleet protocol, a lot of the crew looks like they've formed up into groups and have found safe places to bed down mm -hmm. and wait for rescue. A lot of these corridors and areas, especially the larger areas, um, including the mess hall that's on the, on the Thunderchild, have all been, uh, looks like communities have got, have like, the crew is essentially saddled up and gathered in. You are detecting uh, a large presence of life in the main sick bay, which seems to be fully functional. Is that a cat? Did I just hear a cat? He's he's upset. He's, he's very happy that we're rescuing Starfleet officer. She's not he's upset that I'm wearing cat. cat ears. He thinks I'm mocking him. You know, it's kind I've of seen cats get really nervous when you put on cat ears, so that would make sense. You are a... <laughs> no, it's my cat. He just wants to be fed. He's ah. he's the chonker. He I will, him, I will feed him after the game. We try and space out his feedings. I was anyway. like, either Bonnie's really in character or there's an angry <laughs> animal in the room with Bonnie. <laughs> I actually am quite good at meowing. To be fair. Um it's a talent. Okay. Moving down the corridors and keeping your scans in front of you, you are keeping track of all of the people that have gathered together. You find yourselves coming to the turbo lift. This is going to be a climb down. Jeffrey's tubes and turbo lifts are the only thing you can use at the moment to actually get anywhere on the decks of the ship. Understood. By the way, um, it is worth noting that there is what you're also detecting from the scan, just to give you a heads up, because this would be pertinent to Exio. There is only two spaces for hollow emitters on this deck on the ship there is a small hollow suite like a hollow deck area yeah and then there's main sick bay where the ch where they probably still have um the emergency medical hologram yes. which according to your scans is currently running right now i was gonna say is it is it running yes it's currently good running. oh boy we all have room to grow okay how fast can we get to sick bay? It's a climb down. This is so a big ship. It's a big ship. Yes. Um, Kira class, uh, class is a scale five ship. So it's just one size smaller than the Ross. Is It's like a ladder going down, right? Yeah, basically y'all yeah. are using Jeffrey's tubes to get down. And again, this is an Kira class vessel. It is not a prototype advanced ship like the Ross. There are no hover mag boards to get you where you need to go. Everything is crawling and rounding around. All um, I'm saying is that Shipwide catastrophe. If you are only relying on your EMHs, put holographic emitters in more places. Uh, Eric, as a, a daring challenge for myself, as McCrell's going down, um, 
you know, making sure everything's strapped and tight and holding you on to the side. You start singing Yeah, out on the side of the things, I'm going to use my fur, my the slick of my fur, to, to kind of slide down so I can move a little bit quicker. Okay. Nice. How does my physiology work in terms of, can I just jump down? Yes. Like I don't have to, I don't have to worry about impact damage. No, did you you see Star Trek First Contact? No. There's a moment- Don't come for me, I'm sorry. That's okay. There's a moment where (laughs) steps off of a catwalk and falls three stories. Yeah, that's what I'm doing then. I'm just going- Absolutely do this. Okay, if Ezio does that, then I'm gonna watch that and go, okay. And then I'm gonna grab the guy to just go whoosh and slide all the way down. Like a firefighter, like holding the sides of the ladders. Okay, so Exio gets into the Jeffrey's tube when the when the doors the when the when the separations the Jeffrey's tube open that separates the decks. Exio literally just drops right past you, and then you slide all the way down. It's three decks down when you finally reach it, mm-hmm. and stepping out into the main corridor, you see this corridor is actually populated with people. As y'all exit the Jeffrey's tube, there are injured crew members lining the walls of this corridor with medical staff that are currently running tricorder scans, people that are wrapped in those silver heat insulated blankets that they distribute in emergency situations. You can also see um, a lot of dermal regenerators are being issued out. A lot of rations are being issued out. Uh, a lot of engineering teams working on the side panels on the wall to try to get power to this deck. A few people stop and notice you, but for the most part, no one takes notice. You just look like two more of the Starfleet officers. And it's still dark in here. Exio, you can see somewhat better, and so can you, uh, being your species as well, Bonnie. As the mm-hmm. two of you move down this corridor stepping over, you see main sick base doors are wide open. Uh, I'm just going to make my way straight there and uh, turn to the nearest... I guess incident and be like, uh, take me to your most injured. So as you step in, you come face to face with the EMH Mark One, <laughs> who is standing about about three feet from the door in the middle of a conversation. And as you step in, the EMH turns to you and looks at you and says, "What are you doing in here? I didn't ask for anybody else to come inside this sick bay. Are I you a member of the crew? I am the chief medical officer of the USS Ross, and I'm here to assist." I went, I went Janeway, just there, <laughs> instead of McCrell. Ah. I am with USS Ross, and I'm here to assist you. Uh, no. Um, just one of you. I'm here as well. Two of you. Excellent. Well, we should have the yeah. entire ship in ship shape in no time at all. Take us to your nearest injured, just like I said as I entered the room. You're a doctor. You have a tricorder. See to it. Yes. And with that... The EMH goes back to one of the beds onto the side and pulls out the tricorder and starts scanning somebody who's in the middle of going, I can't feel below the elbow. I'm going to turn to Exio and go, I'd like him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, Somebody with a a lot, what's that, Gina? Just, yes, pleasant personality. (laughs) At that point, somebody with a much more pleasant disposition approaches you and uh, you see uh, what must be Dr. Randall Mulawi. He is a lieutenant commander, stands at about 5859. Mulawi, is that what you said? M U L L A W Y. Mulawi. 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 Okay. 
He is, uh, looks like Aborigine He's descent. Chief medical yep. officer. Yep. Aborigine descent, Australian, mm-hmm. um, dark black skin, uh, these fluffy, like white bearded chops coming down the side of his face. Excellent. Looks exhausted. Looks absolutely exhausted. Um, I'm going to immediately um, be like a Dr. Malawi, I presume. Uh, please take us where we're needed and also take 10 minutes for yourself. Let me um, let me get you apprised of the situation here. Follow me. I'll lead you to what where we are in most need. This way. Leads you over to two sick beds where you see a Hispanic man with uh, looks like a cut across the bridge of his nose, bruises all over his face. The cut would suggest that perhaps he was wearing glasses, a bit of an archaic thing at this period of history, but um, but still something that uh, this particular captain is known for wearing. He's unconscious, and he looks like he's taken some injuries. I don't care about the others. I will save him. You I see four pips on the collar, a very well-shaped, like, well-kept beard. Keep complimenting. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, keep going. Keep describing him for me. He seems to be a very dashing, handsome captain. Um, and uh, the doctor, Dr. Malawi, stands next to him and says, he has multiple fractures across his ribs, a broken arm, a broken leg. There may be some possible spinal damage, but unfortunately our diagnostic machines are not capable of running at full power right now. I've been making him comfortable. I've been able to regenerate most of the damage to the bones and the tissue, but he's still unconscious. Our first officer here is a betazoid male. This is Sesson Tam. The first officer threw himself on top of the captain when the consoles blew. His injuries are significantly greater. He sustained second-degree burns to the entire left side of his body and is currently unconscious. I've kept him out so that he can manage the pain. There's a few other industries in injuries that uh, I've been managed to take care of, but we need a functioning medical facility as soon as possible. The EMH has been running for three days straight, and it's been a tremendous help, but at this point, we're running low on energy here if we can get these people over to the Ross as quickly as possible. Yes, I believe our crew is working on the, on transporting as many possible as we can, but some of these, I believe, are too injured to be moved. I would like to make sure that they're stable first. I've stabilized them as much as I can, but we need more medical equipment here. I'm unfortunately sad to report that most of our sickbay equipment was damaged when we were struck by the storm. Uh, Eric, can I do a medicine check on this captain and first officer to see if they are stable enough to be moved to my sick bay? Uh, difficulty zero. Great. Reason that medicine. is one success. That is two successes. Okay. Uh, yes. Uh, in fact, I'm judging- assuming that was control medicine, by the way. Correct. Dr. Malawi, I will say this, knows his craft. When you scan, it looks like he has used some pretty clever 
uh, makeshift devices to set bones back into place and to fix fix these two up. It gives you an instinct to look around the sick bay and you actually see that for the materials that he has at his disposal, he's done a very good job at stabilizing his crew and keeping people awake and healthy as best as he can. These two are stable enough to move. The first officer, Commander Tam, is in much worse shape than Captain Navarro. Unfortunately, you could move that one, but it's the commander, it's it's kind of your assessment, McCrell. It would probably cause more damage if you couldn't just beam him directly to sick bay. That's really your best option, which is gonna be challenging. Mm-hmm. You could, because a site-to-site transport is already pretty hard. Emergency transport directly to sickbay under these circumstances can be done. You've got a hell of a crew on the Ross, mm-hmm. but it's not easy. I'm immediately going to contact the captain. Uh, Dr. McCrell to Captain Sol. Go for Sol, what have you got? I have two injured here. The captain and first officer that need immediate medical attention with the facilities of the USS Ross. Can Chief Tech and Laquette maybe... Uh, walk through the distortions and get them get them transported directly to medical to the medical bay I'll put both of them and Chief Singh on it immediately Thank immediately you. As, if possible I'll try and keep them as stable as possible until we can transport them I'm spending three threat ah crap uh, I'm gonna Yuri Prawl suddenly shout from tactical captain saying captain Incoming solar wave. Uh, brace yourselves. All sh- all decks, brace for impact. Oh, no. Up on the view screen, uh, you see a solar wave headed straight towards the Ross and straight towards the Thunder Child. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to stand up and I'm going to send a... Can I send a feed directly to Chief Tech of their nearest console to see if we can get power up enough to have any form of shields? Actually, uh, Gina, Yeah. this has been done before in Trek. You can actually use Tech to extend the shields around oh. the, the Thunder Child. However... Great. It's going to weaken the the the, the bigger the, the shield expense. Mm, but I'd be taking away pa- the, taking shield from the. Yes, it uh, takes shield away from the Ross and gives it to. Um, it's going to give it to the Thunder Child, but it we're will body block instead. What's that? I I want to order friend to change course and body block for the Thunder Child. Okay, okay like a I'm rock have to roll and for a wave. Friend. Nice. Cool. Thank you, Captain. It's about to get bumpy. So the so the, this will mean that you that's not going to completely stop the damage. I mean, it's basically like a wave of fire, but it will considerably help. It will break the wave. You'll still need to extend shields if you want to keep the Thunder Child from taking the taking a hit here. Right. But but uh Let's go ahead and make that quick check. Vren is going to make a... Okay, so for the Ross, this is going to be engines and con. And Vren is going to do some flying. Are there any uh, shield systems working on um, the Thunderchild? No, shields are completely fried. Unrepairable fried or... Uh, You don't know. That's what I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I would like to make a roll at some point to see yeah. how damaged it is. Since... Okay. 
So the Ross has an astonishing 15 points to its shields. Yeah, we've so got you shields. Able to, you will okay, good. Able to extend shields around the the Thunderchild and help it out. So let's see how Vryn does on this roll. We have momentum. Yeah. I'm just going to throw that out there. We're maxed out. Um, I'm actually going to go ahead and call in a value here. Okay. For Vryn. Um... He's gonna call. He's gonna call on backing down. Isn't what I do. Nice. And basically girds himself as he begins to pilot the Ross, accelerating quickly to one quarter impulse, and then bringing it back down using maneuvering thrusters and starts to swing the Ross around to the other side, so that the Ross's entire uh, side of the ship is actually going to is going to body block, as you said, Captain. Um, this is going to be an engineering check, a difficulty of one. Okay. So then, go ahead and make that roll, Chief uh, Tech. Okay, if you could shield. roll for Ross then. Uh, Ross is going to roll structure and engineering. I'm going to spend the momentum for cautious engineering. Okay. That wave is about to hit. Okay. The difficulty is only one. So what'd you get? So we got two successes, so three total, but I also did roll a complication. Okay. <laughs> you so, took the momentum for cautious, did you not? I did. Does that... That lets you re-roll. re-roll. You can re-roll. You're going to want to re-roll. Or I'm I gonna did, and got another success. Okay. That's Yay. better than a complication. I mean, <sighs> yeah. in this moment. Yeah. We are maxed out on momentum. Okay. The Ross is going to take eight points of damage to her shields. Shields, okay. As this solar storm just slams. I mean, even at this at this distance, Captain, the, it, what pops into your mind, you and LaCat especially, at this distance are very aware that a, a newborn star hammering your shields at that strength at this distance is incredible. It's a powerful little star. <laughs> Eight points of damage. It plays across the shields, much like the northern lights play across the magnetosphere of the Earth. You see a spectacular light show as this nearly invisible wave begins to slam into the Ross and radiation levels spike. You just saved the Thunder Child from being radiated from this, this solar storm that slams across the Ross. With a complication, I was probably going to push the Ross into the Thunder Child. Yeah! Thank you for not that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, question, were, were the shields able to get around both or did we not do that? No, the shields were able to get around both. So okay. that that is going to, uh, that's what that total was. I, the total was the damage taken to the shields and the shield loss extending it around the Thunder Child. Got so. it. So because of that, one of the big concerns with putting up the shields was the inability to transport. But since the Thunderchild is now within the same shield structure, Correct. we're able to site-to-site transport even having the shields up. Correct. It's the magnetic interference that's going to be a problem still. But right. yes, you won't have to lower your shields to transport now. So but we'll I will get back say, to working on that. Now, I can't tell you yes. Also, there's a real quick piece of information for the players. I cannot tell you yes or no if every time you get hit, you're going to take that much damage. I'm rolling six-sided dice here, mm. and I rolled really well. Okay. 
<laughs> so, nonetheless, restoring our shields would also be a lovely thing. Yes. Yes. Understood. Message received. I add that <laughs> yeah. to the unending priorities that my poor engineers are doing. <laughs> Thank yeah. goodness they have endless experience in the Foxtrot. Now. <laughs> so the experience inside the Ross, however, is a good old TV shakeup. As y'all are on the bridge, everyone experiences the turbulence as the solar storm slams into the Ross, causes the it basically causes the inertial dampeners and everything that's keeping everybody situated on the Ross to rock violently. And Vryn manages to hold station keeping, turning as that that impact happens it's not easy to do because he didn't turn into the wave he went sideways and as that slams into the side of the port side of the ship the ross starts to edge towards the thunder child and Vryn compensates because he rolled well the alerts pass and prawl gripping the security station scans and says we're clear of it captain that was beautiful, Bren. Oh, that was nothing, Captain. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you could see it. I mean, thank you, Captain. Yeah. That, I... You're welcome. Look, Hat, can we get sensors on the Thunder Child for an eye to its structure? I'd like to get tractors on it and pull it clear of this radiation as soon as possible. Now that we're within the shield bubble, we can do our work and move at the same time, but only if it can withstand the forces involved. Can, can you take a look? Yes, and let's see how we can optimize that. Um, can I roll for specifically that? Mm-hmm. GM. Yeah. Uh, I have the difficulty of that too. Cool, three successes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna work. That's gonna work out pretty well. Um. Is this tractorable? It looks like you could definitely tractor. Or rather, it, at what speed can we safely tractor before the any structural damage might be too severe? So based off of the information that you have, tractoring the Thunderchild out of the system is going to be the tricky part because of all the interference in the system itself right now. Actually, it's interfering with the tractor array. The magnetic interference is actually wreaking havoc and is making it difficult to lock on and pull. However, once you're outside of the system, the Thunderchild seems like it actually might be fully capable of being tractored at warp speed back to Narendra Station. So it's just a pain right now. Yes, it's just a pain right now. But we need to get it out of the system before we can do meaningful repairs enough to start tractoring back out to Narendra. So sooner or later, we need to drag her out. What if we went... Captain Sol to Chief Tech. Go for tech. It's a wonderful day in engineering. How can I help you? <laughs> We're going to have to start setting up grapplers. We have to Grapp go lo-fi here. 
Okay. Oh, all right. Uh, Unless you want to dedicate some of your engineering staff to making sure the tractor emitters stay online in the magnetic interference. I mean, that's our alternative, if you'd prefer. Well, Chief Singh is a whiz at the console. For transporting, yes. But if you if you have the staff to babysit the emitters, we'll do it with a tractor. But otherwise... Uh, quick question. Yes. With your roll just now, Lacat, I don't think Ross rolled. No. No. Because you should you should roll that so you can get momentum. We're we're at max momentum max. though. Oh yeah, max. Oh, so it wouldn't matter anyway. You can well, you can you can use that. You can bank except that. Except I, I yeah. just rolled and it was a five, and so it was a success either way. So okay, cool. Now we yeah. now we have overflow. Since okay, we yeah, were overflowed, you've got some yeah, overflow. Can... <gasps> we should establish an advantage. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes, you, can. you can absolutely establish an advantage here. Oh yay! I love it when y'all use that. Uh, We've got these grapples already prepared. <laughs> <laughs> and was we gonna... did have days of anticipation mm -hmm. for a lot of eventualities and 2,500 people thinking of various things to do. And I we thought it was right, an anomaly. Yeah. So tow cables are not at all unheard of on starships right. for situations where energy fields are not going to be functioning. They're not typically used, especially to tow starships of this size. However, I would say a combination of a weak tractor beam and these cables could do it. And I would be willing to say that if you guys are, why don't we say this, Lacat, with your your scans from earlier in triangulating that it was possible, you and Exio, along with Dr. Yada, were postulating that it was probably some kind of interference, some naturally occurring interference will say that in that contingency plan, you guys prepared the possibility that there might be a, some kind of magneto interference from whatever's happening in space. Again, the briar patch being heavily charted, it's not unheard of that plasma storms happen. So you weren't prepared, but the eventuality had been considered and it's easy to enact. So we'll say this, you can have the advantage and it'll be about an hour and then you guys can do it. So in that hour's time, y'all are going to have to basically run interference for the Thunderchild as you're trying to rescue her. We'll be ready in an hour and a half, Captain. I see what you're doing there. What? Understood. <laughs> 90 minutes it is. Okay. So. Uh, meanwhile... Y'all are going to try to beam the two commanding officers directly to sickbay, is that correct? That was the hope. If not, uh, I would like to use what I have to further stabilize the first officer who's in worse shape. Uh, I have two talents that could come into play here. So I'll, I'll tell you right now, because of the scene trait that's set up here, the first, the, all that can be done has been done for the first officer at this point. The, the two things that can happen next, though, is, first of all, bringing him over to the Ross will subject him to full medical treatment. Plus, with Olin there, it's entirely possible that the agony that this first officer might experience in his treatment could be subverted, being dealt it. Um, the captain could be, could be easily stabilized and brought back to consciousness. However, Sol, I will warn you, because you do know Captain Navarro, and 
you would feel the same way if you were beamed off your ship as captain while your crew is left on board injured you would be furious doctor's discretion <laughs> it's your call but just uh, i don't want hector mad at me <laughs> i would hate it i would hate it to my very core much in the same way that I hate it every time Commander Yeri Prawl suggests that I might take the slightest precaution for my own safety rather than throwing myself headlong into danger as though I were the only one on my ship uniquely qualified to accomplish whatever mission it is I think I need to set myself on. And yet, he is right to do so, and occasionally I best ought to shut the flux up and so too it will be with Captain Victor Navarro, who will be mad, and will deal with it. I would like to transport Captain Navarro to the Ross to stabilize him so he can be beamed back to his ship, conscious with his crew. Okay. Is my thought process. Request granted. Thank you, Captain. This is gonna be, this is gonna be an engineering role. Chief Singh taking this. I'm gonna have Singh I'm gonna have Singh spend a value here. Yeah. Yes, please. Okay, here we go. Singh is gonna spend a value. Okay, Singh is, he's got a value specifically. I get everyone home. So, Singh is going to make that roll and two auto successes. The difficulty of this is five. It's a site-to-site -site transport. Uh, is, the, is, is the Ross assisting? Yes, the Ross is definitely assisting. Then, um, the Ross is going to be rolling. Uh, this is going to be a computer's engineering roll. Difficulty five. Come on, sing. Come on, sing. I roll a 12 and a two. One success. One success. Uh, so four, five successes. That's it. On the dot. <laughs> on the dot. It, calling upon the value gets it done. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> okay. Gotta sing, sing. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chief Sang takes his time, paces himself, looks at the readouts, watches the radiation surges happening outside the ship, takes some deep breaths, remembers his training, and energizes. You appear in main sickbay. Exio, you're staying on board the Thunder, the Thunder Child, right? Okay. So, McCrell, with the two other members of the command staff, the three of you beam directly into sickbay where Ox Crew emergency staff is waiting for you. Um, Olin, do you want to be there as well? Okay. I think that Olin would have uh, asked themselves to be excused just to be there as an extra pain mitigator. Okay. And hearing hearing that the, the the second in command was in particularly bad shape. When they beam in, Olin, you see the first officer, Commander Sesson Tam. The left side of his body is for for not to go into graphic detail, it, it is severely burned. The uniform on the left side of the body is mostly missing. 
and there's a lot of exposed flesh. And when you see that, you see the medical staff immediately running forward and start applying dermal regenerators and rushing over and start, he's gonna probably be okay now that he's on board the Ross, but you can sense that he's in a medically induced coma to keep him from waking up in the state. The captain on the other hand is unconscious, probably from a concussion of some kind and is being stabilized. But as you move forward, you can sense Olin, that underlying pain that's just, even in that state, it's, it is a constant frequency and is disturbing, even in the state of this, this coma state, is disturbing this first officer. There's no shutting it off. And then you hear, I feel you in your mind. Where am I? You are on the USS Ross. I can't see anything. You're in a coma right now. You, you're not awake. How are you doing this? Who are you? I'm Ambassador Olin Marginil. Why can't I see you? It starts to occur to you at that point, Olin, that you're talking to someone who's probably only half perceiving things. I think uh, Olin walks over to Commander Tam and like very gently takes his hand mm-hmm. and begins to draw the pain. It starts as sort of a burning, numbing sensation in your hand at first. And then on the other side of that, it begins to feel like this sting that begins to radiate up your arm. It is the muted sensations of what it might have felt like to have been burned. Not quite what he experienced. It's like the echo of pain that you're pulling away from his body. And it's not causing you actual pain, but the discomfort is a lot. (laughs) Olin, as you feel it radiating up into your shoulder and begin to feel the center of your chest, the side of your face, all the way down to your ankle. Yes. How are you doing that? Who are you? Where are you? I can't see you. Perhaps right now it is better to rest. You'll be able to see clearer when you're feeling better. But know that you're safe and that we're going to take care of you. Thank you. You're in the best hands possible. All right, McCrell. This is the most vicious injury you've had to to work with on board the USS Ross. So we're going to have you make a medicine check. Now, rather than subject you to the somewhat 
uh, nature of extended tasks, <laughs> we instead are going to initiate a series of roles here, accumulating successes. Okay. Moving away from a work track. And instead, I'm going to say that on an extended role here, you're going to need a total of eight successes to start moving him back. And how long that takes is going to determine on how many times you have to roll. So this first roll is going to take you about 10 minutes. Okay. Um, I would like, what's the difficulty first off? Uh, the difficulty of this is going to be four. Yes. I would like to use my talent healing hands when attempting control medicine tasks to heal an injury, reduce the difficulty by one. Okay. So it's three. Make it down to a three. Nice. Um, and then my other. Might I roll this an assist? Yes. I would absolutely let you roll an assist here. The Ross gets to assist as well because the medical facilities and the staff are helping. Excellent. And I will take a, so, I will take a momentum for an extra die. And uh, I would also, so am I doing all of these rolls at once to get eight successes or am I doing them? No, you're doing it over time. So this first okay. roll is basically going to establish a stabilization of the, of the patient. Excellent. So this is not the official way to roll healing in Star Trek, but this is the way I'm kind of substituting for extended task rolls. And I'm assuming a focus comes into play. Yes. Uh, great. That's a crit. What is um, my assist? What are my assist rolls? I'm going to say your assist is going to be presence command because you're literally using your presence, Olin, to calm this man and get him... Uh, for the Ross, the Ross is going to be rolling computer and medicine. Got it. Why? Is that a complication? I rolled a natural 20. Oh. No successes from the Ross. Oh, no! Wait, it was oh, difficulty three! I made it! I did it! Because I lowered the difficulty by one! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alright. But I'm going to enact that... I'm going to enact that complication. And you here on the bridge... Prawl say, Captain, incoming. And up on the screen, you see another solar storm has pulsed with traveling at sub-warp speed towards the USS Ross. Brace, and stars help us. Everyone braces. The star's doing it, Captain. <laughs> yeah. Your <laughs> XEO on the other ship. Fucking star. Just for uh, reference, we have nine oh, points of yeah. shield remaining. You take four uh, more points I'm, I'm of damage look at shields. When four this down. Oh. I was going to say when this happened, I'm going to look at Olin and, and basically look at them acknowledging to brace the patient. And I'm also going to go to the captain and brace him because uh, it was told to me that he might have a spinal energy injury. We still haven't been able to uh, check him. So I want to make sure that just the, the two patients are braced okay um olin sticks by commander tam that's what i okay. mean yeah yeah the ship is rocked it's not as it's not as big of a hit as it was last time shields take four points of damage and at that point you start hearing the computer sound the alert the, the shields are getting low because now you're at what three four five you're muted xander but we can hear you through Bonnie's. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I can hear him fine. Why did he do that? I can hear him through Bonnie's microphone, which is amazing. Right, because the cat doesn't want our doors shut. Uh, we've got five shields, but we're down to six power as well. Okay. 
Ooh, Ooh yeah, this it's... is pushing the Ross. This is really pushing the Ross to her limits. But you can regenerate. Um, why don't you? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give you one power. Okay. Because the Ross's secondary warp core does allow her to regenerate faster than normal ships. Are Here's we the other thing I'm going to do too. I'm going to. What's that? Are we also tractoring or not yet? No, it hasn't been engaged yet. Got it. That's going to be all a cat here in a few moments. Um, why don't we go ahead and do that? The cables are going to launch and the tractor is going to engage. Now that that last solar storm is hit. And real quick to Macrella as we leave sickbay, diagnostic scans come back. The captain's spine is actually okay. Thank Doesn't look like he has any spinal injuries at all. It does look like he has a severe concussion, which they're dealing with right now. Mm -hmm. um, and mul multiple contusions, uh, fractured limbs. Like the captain, the captain would have probably been killed to the first officer. You're getting this picture painted in your mind. The first officer hadn't thrown himself on top of Captain Navarro. That would be a, a dead Starfleet captain that you're mm -hmm. working on right now. Um, okay, Lacat. This is going to be an assisted role. You are going to be using control and science. Okay. The Ross is going to be using structure and engineering. The difficulty is five. Do we have now you can spend power. Do we, have, do we have Prawl also assisting on this? Uh, Prawl? Yes, Prawl Actually, Vryn would probably be more appropriate here. Bro, my homie. All right. Um, you can spend a power, if you remember correctly, to gain that, that bonus D20, but your complication range will also increase. Mm. Not no, worth it. We, <laughs> we have a shnikey ton of, of, momentum. of, of momentum to spend. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to spend two threads to raise the complication range by two. We're at five momentum. So 18 or better is going to get you a complication. What's up, Sam? Uh, and then we have the advantage as well that we created. That's right. Right. Specific. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It was that we had them prepared. Oh, right. that'll still that'll still lower the difficulty. Because that's mm -hmm. how advantages mm -hmm. work mechanically. So okay. we'll drop so it down to four. Good. Okay. Yeah. That's we'll better than We'll drop it down to five. four. Okay, cool. So we have the cat, Bren, and Ross rolling. Cool. Great. Um, and can I burn one of those momentum for an extra die? Absolutely. Yes. Get it. Okay, Take cool. It. And just so you, do you have happen to have a value that may apply? Just to check. Oh, yeah, look how, do you have a value that could kick it's in It's a here? high... No stranger war, war and violence? Probably not. <laughs> uh, I don't think I do, actually. Okay. For this. You have a directive, though. Yeah, oh, you yeah. can put an order by the captain, you can use that. Love that one. So, okay, so you burn your determination for the session. You're going to get two auto successes. Go ahead and roll. Because I got the two auto successes. Oh, thank God. There's going to be no help from Vryn, unfortunately. One. Okay, so that's three total. And then uh, two. Five. That's uh, four for me. Four from you? Um, what had Ross do? One. So it's five successes. Five successes. Gain a momentum. These cables. <laughs> attached to the hull, the shattered hull of the USS Thunderchild. And then this tractor beam fighting to activate, finally activate, subtract one point from the power pool again. As you the tractor beam. 
Two um, more cores. All right. Meanwhile, back in sickbay on the USS Thunderchild, one of the patients, I'm going to spend three points of threat here to enact a trade on the scene. As one of the patients starts to snarl, as you turn and glance, Exio, you see what looks like uh, an injured Vulcan get up and one of the nurses tries to gently calm him. The EMH moves over and says, calm down, you're fine, you're in main sick bay. Is thrown off of him as this Vulcan leaps up. Just, you see the veins bulging in the side of his head as he glances around, hurling one of the nurse staff up against the wall. It looks like there is a cut down the right side of his head. His eyes look wild and his pupils are dilated. He doesn't seem to know where he is. And he sees you and charges. Okay. You have initiative. Huh. Is this... <laughs> is this just a... Is, is this just a fear Vulcan rage moment? You're not sure. Hard to say. But there, All is right. a, there is a wounded, angry, charging Vulcan currently lunging at you. Sure. That's common. Why not? Like you do. Um, are they making eye contact with me or are they just charging past? Like, you, or is their intention to like body slam me? They're coming at you. They're coming directly at you, but the look in their eyes would indicate you're not sure if they necessarily see you. You're not sure if they necessarily are. Okay. There right now. Well, um, then my intention is 100% to be a. You know, sometimes taking a hit uh, has you come to, you feel something, it jars you. Um, and as long as they, all I do is I raise my arm and I, uh, in, so that they don't uh, damage the ring because they can't really damage me. Raise your hand up in the air. And with the, yeah, my intention is to sort of be that hopefully knock not literally knock sense into them <laughs> okay they are going to attack you then great it's a daring security check difficulty is one okay <laughs> okay tell me what you get two successes okay Ty goes to the defender uh, this Vulcan lunges at you. Does that mean I won? Uh, the two of you basically lock up. Great. That was great. I was hoping that would happen. So the moment yeah. they make contact with me, I want to wrap my arm around their throat so to take them down with me. Okay. To stabilize you wrap your them. Arm around the throat. All right. So then we're moving into the next round of combat. So you're going to roll daring security again. Okay. As you're trying to, because at this point you guys kind of, Lock up. Uh, oh, okay. Tell me what you get. <laughs> uh, may I burn a momentum? Um, sure. Can I? Wait, actually, <laughs> maybe this is silly, but can I use my new... Uh, can I burn a value? Sure. So 
And maybe it's silly, but I feel like the wording kind of is silly enough that it might work. Um, so my my old value, as some of you may remember, was my limit does not exist. I obviously have a limit, and that's okay. Um, I am thinking far more um, uh, togetherness. Um, and my new value is go beyond, go together. <laughs> so I'm taking this Vulcan with me down to the ground. Can I, I mean, does that work? It does. Yes. Because it is a philosophy that you follow and you're applying to this situation. And it's not like you are in actual physical danger right now. Lexio. No. <laughs> not so, at all. Um, okay. So, so in which case you're going to override him here. So this is what happens. Oh, great. The Vulcan, because he, there's no, he, you already, with, with burning and determination, you already got more successes than he got on that roll. So here's what happens. When this Vulcan tackles you, you were lifted up off the ground as you grab him and you both hit the floor. You wrap your arms around him and Exio, true to form, you are astonished as this Vulcan begins to pry your arms off of him. Despite your immense strength as a hologram, this Vulcan just begins to like immediately press you away. Mm -hmm. And as he does, the soft underparts of his fingers slips. Your uniform basically causes his grip to slip so that your arm gets past his wrist. And like a like a like a mousetrap, your arm snaps back around his neck and grabs him tight. As you're holding them there with this smug grin on your face. It's like dancing. The EMH Mark One runs over and goes, hold him, hold him, hold him. And puts a hypo spray in him and the Vulcan immediately eyes roll back into his head and he goes limp. There you go. This is Lieutenant Tanal, who was undergoing Ponfar when we were hit by the solar storm. Huh. Apologies for that. No, I'm sure lots and lots of hormones would cause quite a disturbance. We'll get him back up on the bed immediately. And about that point, you hear as the Ross makes contact and starts to tractor the, the Thunder Child. Well, that's a good sign. Let's hope so. It would be a shame to fly apart after we've healed all these people. Hmm. Never stop trying, though. Nice grip. Even if... Thank you. Begins to run a scan on you. Interesting. I wondered when you'd notice. You seem to be made out of the same thing that I am made out of. Well, that would explain your good looks. And slides the tricorder back into the pad. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have people to save. Unless you would like to run more interference and tackle any would-be body tacklers. Just send them down my hall. The Ross begins to pull the Thunder Child free of the system. It's slow going. <laughs> and there's a lot of strain being put on the system. So I'm going to have the Ross is going to get hit by one more solar storm. However, this one's going to be significantly weaker as y'all are on the outskirts of the system. Two more points of damage to the Ross of Shields as you all leave the, essentially the area of effect. This this protostar emitting these dangerous pulses of radiation and plasma energy. It's like it's it's like looking at it in reverse through the reverse viewer, Lacat. You can't help but think that this protostar, as it's lashing out with these solar storms into space and the way it's forming in its rapid fashion, 
if you didn't know any better, if you were looking at it from a poet's eye, you would say that you're witnessing the birth of a heartbeat in the middle of the void of space. This pounding solar energy that's beginning to form a whole new solar system. In a few billion years, this might be a vibrant, thriving solar system filled with civilizations that might start exploring the stars themselves one day. You're literally watching the birth of a whole new solar system. And the Ross is ragged. Her power low, the shield's pounded. You guys managed to pull the Thunder Child away from the danger. At low warp, you can tow this ship back to Narendra Station. It is going to take some time. Oh, good. The I Ross. have all the time in the world to get an earful from Captain Navarro. <laughs> The Ross is going to spend probably a little over a week in warp. Um, you're probably, actually, I could run the calculations and give you a, a dramatic approximation of how long it's going to take you. Um, maximum warp for this is going to be warp four. It's going to take you... Oh, you know what we'll do? What will we do, Master okay. Jones? So at warp four, <clears throat> at warp four, towing her by yourself, it would take the Ross appro approximately a month, <laughs> a month and two weeks to get back to Narendra Station. Warp however, four is real slow, people. However, however, the USS Johnson is contacted by Narendra Station and is going to rendezvous with you to assist in the tractor, which will allow you to accelerate your speeds to warp six, because you will have more power to decelerate once you're leaving warp with two tractor beams. So you actually see coming up on the view screen of the USS Johnson, Captain Amelia Dalton. Um, Amelia Dalton is a human woman, stands at about five five. She has uh, big friendly eyes, a worried look on her face. She always seems to have her eyebrows slightly raised when she's talking about things that are serious, hair pulled back into a ponytail. Um, and <laughs> the smiles, as everyone knows exactly who I'm describing. Amelia um, Dalton. Amelia Dalton. You see her come up on screen and say, Captain, we just got word from Narendra Station. And I heard about the situation. Well done on the rescue. Is Captain Navarro okay? It appears that he has severe contusions to his pride. Well, that's not hard for Captain Navarro. It takes or any of us, let's be honest. Nonetheless, he is buying us drinks when the two of us tow him back to Narendra. I understand that there were some casualties. Yes, there were 21. You see, there's a moment of silence. Um, her first officer glances back at the rest of the crew as you see the reactions on board the Johnson. And of course, you see the layout of the Intrepid class starship in front of you as the crew begins to sort of confide with each other. She looks back at you and says, those will be the first Federation casualties in the Shackleton Expanse. Hopefully, the last. Hopefully. Well, we're set to rendezvous with you in the next 36 hours. We're traveling at maximum warp, so we'll see you soon. Oh, 
your max is pretty fast, so we will see you soon indeed, Dalton. Johnson out. Ross out. I feel good about myself, Vryn announces to the bridge. I, I think we did a good job, personally, Captain. That was yeah. good, good rescuing. As I said, good flying. Thank you, Captain. Looks over at you, Lacat. Y'all high five bridge across the bridge. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the second he was like, that's good flying, Lacat was like, yeah, it was. <laughs> On her side of the bridge, but you know, quietly yourself in a very professional way. Um, but the high five happens. Your engineering team, Chief Tech, has definitely been keeping busy. We've got all flavors of engineering. The Ross was put to the test, finally. This is the first time the Ross was pushed to the brink to see what she could accomplish under extreme circumstances. And you're not entirely sure another vessel of her kind of class would ever succeed. Sure, she's one of a kind, but could a galaxy or sovereign pulled off with the Ross just pulled off with her two warp cores? Hard to say. But chances are the power fluctuations in the grid and your ability to use those tractor beams to end those hooks to your advantage. The Ross was the right person for the job here. Navarro wakes up in sick bay. And Captain, as you enter the sick bay to check on the captain of the vessel, <laughs> you see uh, across the room is the first officer who's currently in the process of regenerating. They have the regeneration cycle going, thermal regenerators activated, and Olin is here, um, not too far away, watching this take place. Um, judging from the life signs, everything is stabilized. And McCrell is standing over by Olin. Looks like they're having a bit of a conversation. Leaving them to that, you approach Captain Navarro, and he sees you, reaches over, and picks up brand new replicated glasses and just Captain? Captain. Thank you for thank you for the rescue. I'm I'm really glad I was unconscious when you pulled me off that ship. I would have done a lot of screaming. It would have been embarrassing. Yes, well, I'm glad we prevented that catastrophic eventuality. So you probably saw the sensor readings. The solar storm hit us pretty hard. Yeah, took quite a piece out of you. When I'm feeling better, would you mind showing me around the Ross? I didn't get a chance to look at her when she she arrived at Narendra. I would be delighted. She's a gorgeous vessel. I'm afraid you'll probably leave a touch jealous. Most captains do. It's very natural. Don't worry. Hmm. It's, that's entirely possible. It's entirely possible. But I don't know. I mean, does she have quantum torpedoes? And an ablative, does she have a, an ablative hull? That one stings a little. <laughs> uh, you know, at one point in the shipyard, she almost did. But, oh, just, just remind me about the Thunder Child, though. How many, how many warp cores does she have? Yeah, the good, the good thing about only having one is because she only needs one. You know, the good thing about having two 
It gave us the stamina to get here in time and save your toasty ship. <sighs> I'm happy to hear that. And he sinks back onto his silver pillow. I immediately, I immediately run over with hypo spray because someone just got burned, and I need to <laughs> make sure that they're okay. <laughs> um. All right. As the captain continues talking, you are standing next to Olin Marginil McCrell. Mm-hmm. Olin seems to be very focused on the first officer who's still unconscious, but healing nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to just to be sure, I don't need to roll eight successes, correct? Correct. To, okay, we're gonna cool. go ahead and say, because we're gonna go ahead and say that really, in all honesty, once the danger, once LaCat had successfully engaged and pulled the Thunderchild out of danger, Mm-hmm. then it was no longer a time-sensitive issue to get the healing done at a specific moment because the solar, the solar waves were no longer a factor in whether or not you would be able to treat them without being interfered with and the fact that the ship is being knocked around. Thanks, LeCat. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, I'm going to turn to Olin and pull them away just for a brief moment. And, um... Ambassador, I... I know what you did with the first officer, and I appreciate you helping take away his pain. However, if there was ever a circumstance where a patient was too far gone, and I tell you to stop, please. This is your sick bay, and you are in charge here. If you make a call, I will follow it. Because no matter what, here is where you are in command. Thank you. It's just, um, sometimes taking away pain is not worth having to carry around a piece of death with you. I've never had to experience that before, so I will have to take your word for it. Um, uh, and as McCrell grabs for a cup of tea, or, uh, and, and drinks it, you're, you feel off of her, um, immense pain. Uh, I think, uh, Olin almost instinctively starts to reach out to McCrell, but pauses just before they touch her. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna look you in the eye and be like, I can carry mine just fine. Thank you. In sharp contrast, you suddenly feel a presence behind you, Olin. and a consciousness. Olin is distracted enough to turn away from Dr. McCrell. On the bed, you see the dark-haired first officer is awake. 
and his hand is slightly raised in your direction. Olin will walk over and take his hand. His hand weakly grips yours. You can see into those dark pools of Betazoid eyes and a weak smile comes to his face and he just says, there you are. With you. Captain, as it's happened before, you step into your quarters and take the pips off and set them down on the table. Removing your insignia, set it down. You hear the chime signaling that the next shift has begun and immediately the lights lower around the ship as you plop down into bed, sitting on the edge, looking out into space. Through the tractor, outside the window of the captain's quarters, you can actually see uh, at warp alongside the USS Ross is the USS Johnson, this beautiful intrepid class starship with those folded nacelles and the two luminescent glows of tractor beams pulling along the damaged USS Thunderchild as y'all are headed back to Narendra Station. Did it again. Good work. <laughs> I'm going to reach over to my combat. Saltas Mishanta. Yes, Captain. The briefing can wait. I'm sleeping in tomorrow morning. I'll make sure no one disturbs you, Captain. Have a good night. The ending button of this episode is LeCat's doors opening as you're answering a chirping sound at your door, LeCat. And you see Yeoman Shanto standing in front of you. And she looks at you for a moment and says, I have the morning off. I'm taking a sick day tomorrow. What a coincidence. You wanna come in? She nods. Cool. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. She steps in and the door is And that is where we will end tonight's episode. Clear skies. You're wow. so lucky that my mic and Xander's mic was muted because we were both <laughs> screaming. Like, screaming yeah. like, my poor cat probably just like jumped 20 feet in the air. <laughs> For a moment it wasn't and I could hear Xander giggling from your mic body. Oh, I quickly, I was like, oh, I got to mute because I knew it was coming and I knew I was going to scream. <laughs> nice. I said the quiet part out loud. I'll do it. <laughs> 
All right. So as a quick as a quick side note to Ox Crew who were watching tonight, our MPC doctor, the Aboriginal Australian doctor, was created by the Ox Crew with me live on stream. And that was like three months ago. Um, and the stats are actually posted up on the Patreon page. So if you want to go check out uh, Dr. Randall, you can actually see his stats up on this old grizzled veteran of the Dominion War um, and serving as chief medical officer on the USS Thunderchild. It's good to finally be able to use him. I didn't know when the heck we'd be able to, but uh, great episode tonight. You guys rescued the USS Thunderchild. You finally got to interact with the rest of the fleet that's out here in Shackleton, which was rad. Uh, well done. And holy shit, this is the first time we've ever run one of our starships to the brink like that. The, what was the final power and shield rating? Three. Yeah. Uh, on shields and uh, three on shields. Six. six on power. And six on power. Which is incredible considering how much power the Ross was burning to get to the location, use the tractor beam, extend those shields, like push to the edge. Really good job, though. We Engineer could not have shit on. We could not have taken another solar flare hit for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. can't take another more one more like that. Cap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, go get some rest. Thank you for a fantastic episode tonight, Ox Crew. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Clear Skies. We will see you next week. Until then. Hailing frequencies are closed. <laughs>